0: Hello, and welcome to The Last Ones In, where being late to the party isn't a bad thing. I am your host, Dry Archuleta. To the right of me, we have Robbie. Hello. To the left of me, we have E. Hello. And then across from me, for the first time, we have my wonderful wife, Liz. Hi. Yay. Alright, and this week we are taking a look at Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, starring Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet. I, of course, have seen this. Robbie? I've seen it. It it was a long time ago, and I don't remember everything about it, but I have seen it. That'll be interesting. Um, Liz, you have seen this a lot.
1: I've seen this multiple times.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, Of course, the last one in, as almost every single time, is E. Yeah. (laughs) No surprise there. Okay. so. Sense E is the only one that hasn't seen it. I think it just makes sense to go straight to E. What do you think this movie is going to be about?
2: Okay, I think there is two people, one male, one female. I think they fall yeah. in love. Uh-huh, you're rocking and, it. And as time goes on, they fall out of love. All right. Uh, I think it takes, over the course of, let's say, like 500 days... And I think nope, we're a point, movie. <laughs> That's a different. That's a different
0: movie. Um,
2: <laughs> uh, I think I've got to guess summer, regardless, because I feel like sunshine usually okay. signifies summer. Sure. I think I've got to guess they go out to the beach at a point. Just a hazard guess there.
0: Uh huh. It's uh. You wouldn't get that guess at all from just looking at the case while I'm holding in my hands, would you?
2: I didn't actually look at it. Are they on the beach on the case? No. <laughs>
0: Never mind. (laughs) It's literally the opposite. Yep, whatever.
2: (laughs) I'm going to guess it ends where they both walk different ways. Interesting. Very interesting.
0: You got some obvious things right, I think. (laughs) Yes. Pretty easy to say there. There are two people that fall in love. Wow. And I think it's pretty easy to get that they fall apart at some point because the whole anti-love month thing, I think I'm giving you an easy out on that one. Yeah. So... I think that means we should get to the back of the box, because everybody else has seen it. All right, back of the box. Here we go. From acclaimed writer Charlie Kaufman and visionary director Michael Gondry comes eternal sunshine of a spotless mind. An all-star ensemble cast shines in this comical and poignant look at breakups, breakdowns, and breakthroughs. Joel, Jim Carrey, is stunned to discover that his girlfriend Clementine Kate Winslet, has had their tumultuous relationship erased from her mind. Out of desperation, he contacts the inventor of the process, Dr. Howard Mirzawak, played by Tom Wilkinson, to get the same treatment. But as his memories of Clementine begin to fade, Joel suddenly realizes how much he still loves her. Rated R for language, some drug, and sexual content.
2: Some drug. Some Some drug. drug.
3: That's literally what it says.
2: (laughs) just one. Some
0: drug. (laughs) What
2: drug, we're not exactly sure,
3: but a drug of some kind.
2: I keep, like, every time you read these, like, I'm like, okay, this sounds like Fiji 13, and then you're like, rated R. I'm like, what?
0: Yeah, people (laughs) gotta say fuck, man. makes it intense. Can't have, like, a big shootout, so people gotta say fuck.
2: What did it describe? A tumultuous relationship? Tumultuous? Yeah, what does that mean? Like, Rocky. Oh, he's not here, though. (laughs) No, not that Rocky. Oh. The boxer. Okay, well, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad I asked for a definition because I wouldn't have actually thought it meant that. I would have thought it was like, yeah, it was a good one. Oh,
0: no, that's <laughs> not what that means at all.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right.
1: I mean, it was good until it wasn't.
0: As, as most things go. It's kind of like banana bread.
2: I eat it all before it can go bad.
0: Hmm, you might have a great relationship then. <laughs> <laughs> or become a murderer. I'm not really sure how that pans out.
2: We'll see, I guess.
0: Yeah, it's going to be fun to find out. So I think, uh, yeah, that puts us at the part where we watch the movie. Yeah. So we'll be back here in a little bit where we are going to talk in way too much detail about this movie for a very long time. See you guys in a little bit. And we are back from watching the movie. Let's uh, go right over to the guy who has not seen it before first off initial thoughts buy rent pass
2: uh i would give this a rent i think i actually did in fact enjoy this movie oh wow (laughs) i know so we are (laughs) half of the movies this month so that's that's not too bad 50 50 i'm gonna take that as a win (laughs) (laughs) yeah i quite enjoy this movie i think a lot of the themes is what kept it for me there's so far this month it seems if the romance starts to overpower the store like the other parts (laughs) i don't like it but if the other parts overpower the romance i'm usually down
0: so what i'm understanding is you really like romance yeah yeah that's what i hear all right liz let's go over to you you obviously like the movie quite a bit would you say buy rent or pass and what are your uh non-spoilery thoughts
1: um well, obviously buy, because we own this movie. It is ours. <laughs> That's true. Um, Fact. I enjoy this movie very much, so I would recommend to buy, but it's not. It's also not a movie that people like because Jim Carrey is also a comedian, and this is a serious role, so people don't buy that much.
0: I would say it's a half and half. It's kind of serious, kind of not. I think the movie would flop if you had a car- or an actor who was just going in for all seriousness. I think having Jim Carrey, is being true. able to pull off some of the sillier scenes in it, and doing it in a way that's convincing, is something that an actor only like Jim Carrey could have done, I think.
2: I think, because like Jim, Jim Carrey does do the silly parts of it. I thought it was a little ridiculous when he tried to do some of the serious parts, in my opinion.
0: I disagree. I think the sillier parts are the parts that I have a harder time with. I think he really pulled off the serious parts. I think he really nails it.
2: Maybe it's just because, like, when I think Jim Carrey, I think The Grinch.
0: I think that's what was like talking about. Like, that's the the first hurdle that people have getting over with watching this movie is that not being able to see Jim Carrey as this serious dude. But, Robbie, what do you think? So, I like this
3: movie. Um, The last time I watched it, it gosh, a long time ago, like, maybe about, I want to say, eight or nine years ago. That's a long time. Yeah, it is. Uh, I would say, at the very least, a rent. Like, this movie is one of the easier ones to stream out of the movies that we've done so far this month, but... I would say at least, a, uh, at the very least, a rent. But if you like the kind of movies that we've done this month, then you'll definitely like this movie too. And I would say it's a like, uh, it's a weird between buy and rent, <laughs> like most of the movies I've talked about this month. So, what platforms is it available to watch on, Robbie? Really? So, from what I picked up on it, this movie is actually available on Hulu right now. And. You know, there's also the other streaming services like, you know, YouTube and Google Play, Amazon Prime, where if you don't mind paying four dollars to rent this movie to at least watch it, give it a, or to give it a shot. Apparently, if you have Sling TV, it's also part of it. Or if you have Stars subscriptions, then you can watch this movie also. Cool. So so it's available if you're really into it. Yeah. But I feel like it's one of those. it's Without getting into spoilers, it's hard to know what you're getting into whenever you first watch this movie. But it is definitely... I sure know that feeling. (laughs) (laughs) Without getting too spoilery, the movie is quite the mind-bender. And it is definitely, definitely worth a watch. I can see people watching this movie and not liking it, though. And just kind of like, oh, "Oh, I'm never going to watch that again. And then moving on with their life. And then there's going to be other people like you and Liz who really, really like this movie and go ahead and buy it. So you can watch it more often or have it as part of your collection. If you're into that.
0: Yeah, I would say not knowing what to expect from this movie is a great thing. And at the same time, probably very confusing on first watch. When I first watched, it, I didn't know what to expect from it at all. And it really enhanced my second watch on it and third watch yeah. just from all the little things you notice and finally be able to piece together the timeline in your head. That helps a ton. It does. Well, I guess in one sense, it might
3: be worth it to buy this movie just because like in order to catch all the little details that are in this movie, you do kind of have to watch it more than once.
0: At least twice, I would say. Yeah,
3: at the very least twice. So, in a sense, I would say it's by in that sense, but it's also if you don't like it, watch. If you don't like it the your first time watching it, you know, you're not going to spend the time to point out all the little details that are in it, too. Unless you're but, a masochist. Well, I guess there are those people. <laughs> well, yeah. But, yeah, it is. It's like devils are in the details of this movie, but there is, like, an overarching plot of, like, they have a very much of, a, like, that magician sense of, you know, main story is right here but there's all this other stuff happening in the background to like that they want you to also kind of like pay attention to so i guess you can see that slide of hand of like you want to pay attention right here but the real magic's happening over here with that's that movie not, and I would that's, describe it honestly
0: yeah i would uh yeah. i would obviously be a buy on this one it's a fantastic movie yeah. i absolutely love it i put it up for this month well i put all the movies up
2: for this month because i'm selfish and he really likes all of these movies. Yes, I do. He didn't let me put all of those romance movies I watched for this month either. What the heck? So, I know. They just were too
0: romantic for me, so I had to turn them down. I'm sorry. But, uh, yeah, I think that does it for our spoiler-free and our recommendation on if you should watch it or not. So, if you decide to take our recommendations and you watch it and you want to come back and listen to us talk about it at length, you should definitely do that. If you don't want to watch it and you still want to come back, that's also awesome. Either way, be back in a little bit. So the movie starts off with seeing our main protagonist, Joel, waking up from car sounds outside. Door slamming, engine starting, all that kind of stuff. And he's confused and kind of lost and bewildered when he's waking up. He's in these pajamas, his bed's out, and he just starts getting ready for the day. Goes out to his car and he sees a giant dent on the side of it. And he is reasonably upset, I would say just kind of looking around going like what the hell happened to my car. Yeah. So he takes a piece of paper out of his notebook that he has, writes a note on it to his neighbor. It thank just says you. yeah, it just says thank you on it because <laughs> like he just looks at the card next to his and like the obviously did this to my car. So, thanks a lot, asshole. Gets in his car and drives off. Then you get some VO voiceover. Random thoughts Valentine's Day 2004. Day is a day invented by greeting card companies to make you feel like crap. Ditch work today took a train to montauk not really sure why not an impulsive kind of person he says and he just woke up in a funk says he has to get his has to get his car fixed and that's goddamn freezing on this beach because all this time you're seeing him traveling you don't really know why and through the voiceover you find out that he also doesn't really know why he's taking the trip either just um, saying i'm not a very impulsive
3: person but for some reason just today yeah something was different it says montauk
0: in
2: february very cold Is Montauk like a real place? It is, in
0: uh, the New York area, I believe. Oh. Looks at his journal and he says pages ripped out. He can't believe how long it's been since he's written in it because he writes in his journal all the time. He says he doesn't remember ripping any of those pages out. He says, first entry in two years. It shows him digging in the sand, says sand is overrated, all it is is tiny little rocks. He starts to say he wishes he could meet someone new. Thinks that his chances of actually meeting somebody new are pretty diminished at this point in his life he did mention during this time that like he doesn't exact he's not the type of person just walk up to somebody and start talking to them so that's why no. it's diminished and he starts saying that like, he should get back with his ex Naomi which is someone you hear talked about through the movie quite a bit but you never see the person at all uh fun fact there was originally going to be a whole plot line that was taken out of the movie because it just took up too much time and it wasn't super interesting, but it was just going to be concentrating on him and his ex-girlfriend. That
2: sounds boring.
0: Yeah, yeah, a little bit. So it's probably a good thing they took it out. Anyway, he says he, that she should get back with Naomi because she's nice and nice is good and that she loved him. And he doesn't know why he's not with her anymore. Cuts to him at a diner and he notices this girl from across the diner. And she looks kind of weird and frantic and not quite pixie dream girl status, but uh, close, close to it.
3: I Got would say. the hair
2: for it. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I think part of it is because, look, she
3: has that blue hair, bright blue hair. She also has, like, that very bright orange hoodie. So mm-hmm. it just kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. Yeah.
1: No, this isn't the first time that he saw her. He also saw her on the beach. That's true. And, yeah, and that's that is when true. He says he wishes he would meet someone new but can't look a woman in the eye. So he looks away from her. So this is the second time that he's seen her in the diner.
0: Yes, that is correct. And yes. he's, like, staring at her and he's like, Why do I fall in love with women Who shows me the least bit of attention, he says through voiceover. Goes to him at the train stop, and again, he sees this girl there, and she's just kind of giving him glances and looking at him and waving. And he tries to ignore her, but she doesn't let him. (laughs) She's doing everything she can to grab his attention.
2: Like sitting there.
0: Like sitting there,
3: yeah. Well, like, because... The reason why I say that, though, is because she, like, purposely walks up somewhat next to him to make sure that she's in his eyesight, and she waves at him, and he just kind of waves back, and he turns around to the other side, and then she, like, makes sure that she goes into, like, this weird, awkward angle to where she or he can see her again, and she starts waving at him again, so it's just like, hey, I'm over here, kind of
0: mentality. Yeah, and uh, fun fact, I'm going to give you two right away. This movie started in the production part of it, like the writing and everything like that, in 1998. So quite a while. Yeah, they're in they the this movie for... When yeah. did this movie come out? 2004? Yes. Okay. Not super long, but no. pretty long, I would say. And then the second fun fact... I mean, six years of writings. But second fun fact right away is that the director thought it was important that where it was supposed to take place felt like that actual place. And so the Montauk scenes, like when they're out on the train and traveling and stuff like that, was actually shot out in Montauk. So makes Joel on the train and... He sees the girl again. She just keeps looking at him, and she finally says, hi. Fun fact, every scene on the train was actually shot on a train, a real moving train. So everything you see in the background isn't just some like weird green screen or matte painting or anything like that. It's just, just the actual things going by. One of those directors that he decided to put a little bit more realism inside of his
3: movies, but not to an insane amount, I hope. I think he was just cheap. Or that. <laughs> yes. Like, listen, we can either build a fake train in the studio and put green screens on the side, or we can, you know, pay whatever it's going to cost to put the, or a guy with a camera and the two actors on a train, just have him film them.
1: He's a director, also that um, goes with the flow. So, yeah, whatever his environment provides for him, he goes along with it and incorporates it into it. And I think he got the right actors to be able to do the exact same.
2: That does explain why sometimes it like snows and then stops snowing and then snows again. Well, since you
0: bring it up, here's another fun fact. We're just gonna throw all these out there right away. In the original script, they meant for it to be snowing, but they thought like, well, maybe. We don't know like, what the weather's going to be like. We don't know if it's actually going to snow for us, and it would be incredibly expensive to make all this fake snow or put snow in in post. So take the snow out of the script. And then they got lucky enough for it to actually be snowing like crazy whenever they were shooting it. Um, so there's scenes to where there's not supposed to be snow, so they had to go and clear all the snow out from the beaches. <laughs> and then there's scenes where there's supposed to be tons of snow, so they just left the snow.
2: Amazing. Hmm. Yeah. So they're on the train, and then she kind of keeps getting more aggressive about introducing herself. So like she'll yeah. get slightly closer each time she sits in the one in front and it's like hello yeah keeps
0: asking if she can sit closer and closer to him and she asks like where he's going he says going to rockville and she's like oh i'm going to the same place that's awesome she's like it feels like i've met you before do i know you no i think i would remember if i met you it's like well maybe where do you like where do you go like ever been to the
3: barnes and noble like oh yeah i've been there before. see that's probably where you met me yeah she's like i've worked
0: there i've been a
1: I forget what she said. But slave for five years. Yeah, there you
0: go. (laughs) And she starts, like, describing her hair because Joel says that he likes her hair. she's like, oh, it's called Blue Ruin. Like, oh, wow, like, what kind of person would make up those? She's like, well, somebody has that job. He's like, who who could possibly have that job? There's like, what, 15 colors? Somebody has that job, Joel. (laughs) Very seriously. (laughs) It reminds me of my sister, actually, (laughs) which is weird. So, yeah, just talking about the colors of her hair. She's like, Agent Orange, I came up with that one. And she says that she applies the hair colors to her personality like a paste. like Whatever personality she's feeling, that's what she dyes her hair. Starts talking about how he's, like, trying to be, or that she's nice. And she's like, well, don't be nice to me. Like, why are you trying to be nice? I don't need anyone to be nice to me, and I don't need to be nice to anybody else. Here's another fun fact. Originally, they wanted the music to be between when they were talking, because just, you know, filler. The writer decided, like, hey, it would be, like, way more interesting if music was only happening when they were talking, because it just goes with the flow a little more.
2: Oh, is that why that... Like, it kind of distracted me that it just, like, kept going in and cutting and being weird. Oh, really? I think it was because the choice of music, too, because it was, like, this weird, like, cartoony music.
0: Yeah, I think it fits, though, with the style of the movie. Because the movie's so jumpy and bouncy and like, it jumps between things so often.
2: At the start, it wasn't... It's not as jumpy, I would argue. True. So it's kind of hard to, like... Like, if it was towards a later scene, I might be... Well... They probably did have similar music tours in later scenes. <laughs> they do. Yeah. So like at that point I was used to it, but at the start like, was okay, is the train going to jump off the track? That t- <laughs>
0: <laughs> so there's silence as she's trying to come up with more to say. And she's like, Hey, I'm Clementine, by the way. She's like, no jokes about my name though. He's like, jokes. What do you mean jokes? She's like, Oh, my darling. Oh, my darling. Oh, my darling Clementine. And then Joel's like, Oh, I have, I have no idea what that is. I've never even heard of it. Like a uh, Clementine though. It's like clemency, right? like merciful she's like oh i'm anything but merciful truth be told i'm a vindictive bitch like oh i don't i don't think you're a vindictive bitch she goes on about the nice thing some more she gets mad at him like starts yelling at him and walks doesn't walk away but she like goes and sits down and uh and she starts apologizing for yelling at him and says that she's out of sorts and she's just kind of weird today and she's not normally like this and that he's being nice and she actually kind of likes that he's nice right now maybe she won't like it later but right now she does like it and she's like, well, I guess I better go. Or Joel's like, I think I need to go. Or this is my stop or something like that. So Clem punches him in the arm. She's like, okay, see you later. Uh, fun fact. Kate Winslet, the girl who plays Clementine, uh, was not scripted to punch him at all. So she, <laughs> she just did, like, did Fuck that. it. Whack. <laughs> yeah. So Jim Carrey's reaction and surprise to that is him actually being surprised that she just punched him. <laughs> kind of like the
3: idea of like her just like punching him in him, like just like, oh, we're still filming. I, I got to go with it. And like the director <laughs> kind of
0: laughing in the background, like, no, no, let's just go with it. We'll keep it in the film. He did want people to kind of do their own thing a lot of the time through a lot of the movie. So we'll get into that a little bit later, yeah. how he
2: I'm just some actors yeah, kind of do their own thing.
0: I'm guessing there is him encouraging improvisation. Oh, yeah,
2: 100%. No, 100%. By the, by the script, he scripted every single part of that.
0: There's some uh, directors like that, like, uh, I can't even think of his name. Oh, uh, Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, Stanley Kubrick. He was adamant that everything be exactly what it is in the script. Mm. 100%. Exactly. If it's any different, it takes room to have to do it again. He was sort of a dick.
2: Sounded like it. Yeah.
0: I mean, saying he was sort of a dick is probably being generous to him, but... He did happen to make some of the greatest masterpieces in cinema history though so joel leaves the train and he's driving and while he's driving he sees clem walking down the street so he offers her a ride and she hesitantly agrees to the ride she asks if he's a stalker he's like no i'm i'm not a stalker and she's like oh saying you're not a stalker is the oldest trick in the stalker book
3: yeah well it's like when
0: the uh, that
3: whole part of that scene was just because he's like you started talking to me he's like well that's the oldest trick in the book yeah oh
0: i didn't know there was a book yeah (laughs) i
2: better get the book.
0: she says sorry if she came off as nutso and starts saying how she's like out of sorts again when they finally get back to her place she invites joel in and he is very hesitant at first but she keeps inviting eventually he accepts and they go up to her apartment and he's kind of looking around her stuff while she's fixing drinks and she comes out with the drink and then she tells joel to drink up because it'll make the whole seduction part much less repugnant and they laugh and they're sitting on the couch and she starts telling Joel that he's pretty close mouth. And he's like, well, I don't really have anything interesting to talk about. There's nothing interesting about me. So I don't have anything to say.
3: It kind of solidifies that whole opposites attract because she talks all the time. And she's talked, I want to say about 80% through like this whole scene through here. Just mostly Joel being really quiet and reserved and her being really upfront and wanting to talk to him. And
0: Yeah, she's yeah. way out there and he is not out there at all. Very reserved. So again, she reiterates that Joel is being really nice and, and she's like, how dare he? Yeah. And she's like, I think I'm going to marry you. Which well, she's like, what, where are you going to marry me? And he like, starts saying that he needs to go because things are starting to get serious and he's getting freaked out. He does not say that.
2: No, he says that is morning work. So he should. Yeah, leave. yeah.
0: Has to get up early in the morning. So he better go. And so she tells him to go up to Charles with her to the frozen lake and she'll pack a picnic and it'll be this whole thing.
2: Then she writes her phone number on his hand as he's leaving being like, Hey, yeah. you should call me.
3: Well, cause he doesn't exactly say yes to her about that. And he just like, Oh, I gotta go. And she's like, well, at least call me.
2: He has a notebook. I feel like he could have been like, Oh, here, just write it down real quick on this notebook that I carry with me everywhere.
3: I feel like it was like in a pet, well, I guess not even in the panic stakes. I know it's like always like that cliche in movies when someone writes down their number, it's always like on the palm of their hand, but... I hate that. that it was don't like he, the, the way that he had his hand. It. Yeah, the way that he had his hand towards her, like she just wrote it on his hand like it was a wall.
0: But it's so spontaneous. Yeah,
3: and that's the thing is, it was being spontaneous about it. Well, it, was,
0: it, it, well, it could be
2: snowing, it's gonna smudge. Love, E! Love! <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think Clementine, though, though her character seems very spontaneous, that's who her person is. So even from the train... From the beach to the cafe to the train, she thinks about everything that she's going to do. You know, she thinks about looking at him at the diner. She knows that she's making him nervous on the platform. And on the train, she tells him hi. She thinks about going over there and then she does it. You know, they talk, argue, and Mm -hmm. she hides herself again and then thinks about it. And then she's like, ah, fuck it. My name's Clementine. Right, yeah. You know, she thinks about all of these things. That's her personality, so... Though it can be seen as spontaneous, because most of the time that is how it is in all movies, but that's who she is as a person. She's thought it out as to what's going to happen.
3: So you think it's... She plans all of it out, but she just kind of uses spontaneity as a way of saying that, like, oh yeah, just something I decided to do, even though she originally had it planned out.
1: I think her no, I think her personality is just like that, right down to the places she likes to visit. They seem spontaneous to other people because they're different. Um but they're not spontaneous. She's thought them out. She's gone to these places time and time again, you know. Later on in the movie we hear that she does things the same ways. Yeah, so. That's
2: true. Yeah, that's fair. I didn't think about it like that. But yeah. So
0: as Joel is leaving her apartment, she puts her head out of the window she's like, hey, when you call me, wish me happy Valentine's Day. That'd be really nice. We see Joel get home, and the very first thing he does is call her.
2: That is and incorrect. Well, he meanders a bit and then calls her.
1: That's true. Those are facts.
0: Well, he meanders a bit and then calls
1: her. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just say that's important,
2: because like, that's the first thing she's like, oh, you sure took your time. And he was like, yep, I definitely just got home. Definitely.
0: I don't, I don't know. I always took that as like a nudge nudge you took forever.
2: Uh, no, I think he actually probably took like... 30 minutes to an hour when he got home before he even bother the call. And then you add the time he took to get home, which is some time. I don't know how far <laughs> they live, actually. I don't
0: know. It's new York. Who knows how long it takes?
2: Could have been seven hours for all we know.
0: So when he gets home, though, he does call her. She asks what took him so long. Cuts over to a whole new scene. And they're out by the lake.
1: I just want to add that he did not say Happy Valentine's Day. That yeah, even did when it. a fucking girl says something that she wants, and men still don't fucking listen <laughs> to do it. I'm just saying.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, throw him to the curb. He's not good enough. He didn't say <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. Let's get. How dare he? <laughs> replace him. How, How dare he. he?
0: So, when she's on the phone, tomorrow night, honeymoon on ice? Well, yeah, because they do say that
3: during the. Even though he didn't say Happy Valentine's Day, he did say something about he was already missing her whenever
0: he called her and she's like oh that means that we're married now yeah
3: surprisingly
1: i do is what he says right yeah.
0: and so it cuts over to them the next night and they are at the frozen lake then she like starts running out and she slides and joel is really hesitant to go out on the ice and he's like maybe i should just you know go back and she's like well why and then she falls and joel's like oh no <laughs> yeah the ice might break and he's like i should i should go we should just go back and She's like no, no no come out come out and she invents him to go out on the ice and she takes him out to the middle of the lake and they both lay down and she says like show me which constellations you know he's like i don't know and she's like no, no 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 just just show me whichever ones you know he's like okay okay is like, that one that one's Osiris. swoop and across I'm like you're full of shit right he's like nope swoop and across i don't is that is that a thing is Osidius a thing i
1: have no idea
2: i know like odysseus and then there's like odysseus sword odysseus's belt
0: a little dipper big dipper
2: i mean i can't even point out the <laughs> north star in this it's a bright one. Yeah, there's a lot of bright stars. <laughs> it's a big bright one. There's a lot of big bright stars.
0: I could not point it out to you either though, yeah, so same. I don't know what I'm going on about. <laughs> Cuts to the next day and Joel's driving her home and she's asleep and wakes her up, asks him if she can go to her house because she's really tired and she just wants to sleep. He's like, Uh, yeah, yeah, sure, you can come over. She's like, Okay, cool, let me just grab my toothbrush. And then a dude just like knocks on Joel's window, like, Hey, uh, can I ask what you're doing here? Or, no, he says, like, hey, can I help you? And Joel's really, really confused about it. He's like, uh, yes. <laughs> no? Strange is like, well, uh, what are you doing there? He's like, I'm not really sure I understand what you're asking me. Oh, uh, okay, sorry. He just walks away. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah. It is a
3: very weird scene all put together. Well, until you, do you realize if what's happening. Just yeah. someone, like, knocked I mean, on it, your yeah, window in the and asked,
2: hey, can I help you? Yeah.
0: I would probably not roll down the window.
2: Well, they didn't ask you yet.
0: I just wouldn't roll down the window. I was just wave at them.
2: What if you like, kn- kept knocking?
0: Just just look away. <laughs>
2: what if it just broke the window at a point? Pretend
0: like you're asleep. <laughs> <laughs> After you've looked at him? Yeah. <laughs> you're like, uh,
3: uh, uh. Yeah. Play possum as much as poss- possible. <laughs> exactly. As much as possible.
0: <laughs> <laughs> as possible. I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, the person walks away, and you get a very dramatic cut to Joel crying in his car driving at night. And then 18 minutes into the movie, we finally get the opening credits. And Joel's listening to this song, and it's making him cry, and we're hearing this song. And Joel takes the tape out of his tape player and throws it out the window, to which it is raining or snowing of some kind. There is weather outside.
2: It is wet. Yes, it is wet. <laughs> also, how dare he littered. God. It's New York. That doesn't make it okay It's an to island litter. of trash. <laughs> so? You should add to the trash. I can't argue with that.
0: Um, another fun fact. There he was- actually littered. Maybe. <laughs> there was actually a mock-up of Joel's apartment, and there was an actual apartment. So, like all the stuff that was shot at night was a mock-up of Joel's apartment set because in the actual apartment they didn't want to film that at night because they didn't want to bother all the neighbors.
2: That's that surprisingly nice decent. Yeah. Them, yeah,
3: it's
0: weird, but yeah. Um, I mean, there are other
3: cases of probably bigger directors like, nope, we got to clear out the entire apartment complex. Where are they going to sleep tonight? Not my
2: problem. Got um, to film. Give them twenty dollars; they can find somewhere. <laughs> yeah. He's driving all sad.
0: Yeah. And then after he throws the tape out, it cuts to him parking. He walks along. There's people in the van, like, staring at him, saying it's him, like, waving, being kind of awkward about it. And Joel is trying not to make contact with them. And he seems sort of freaked out, and he's walking quickly into his apartment. When he gets in, he goes to the mailbox, and he starts checking the mail. A neighbor comes up, and he's like, hey, uh, how are you doing? It's Valentine's great. That's awesome, right? Good thing you have Clem, though. Man, she is so great for you. I hope you made plans for Valentine's Day, otherwise you're gonna end up at
2: Mickey D's. Yeah,
0: McDonald's. McDonald's. Mick. Mc was other thing. There you go. Um, and Joel's like not wanting to talk to this guy no. at all.
3: He's very much in that reserved. Like I just need to get to my apartment as soon as possible to avoid everyone I possibly can.
2: Yeah, that's me. And
1: that's just- he also glimpses at the neighbor's mail he
3: does uh that is one thing that i noticed too mm -hmm.
1: at this point he knows that the neighbor just got a letter for him to never mention clementine's name to him ever again and that is that envelope from the office but joel has realized that he hasn't read that obviously because he just checked his mail so this is why the neighbor is already talking about clem
3: yeah his neighbor grabs a letter and it's for lacuna but it doesn't really like say anything Masato, else. Yeah. yeah.
2: I didn't realize that's what that letter would be. Yeah. I I thought have... He was just snooping in the mail. Yeah, I was going to say, it doesn't.
3: That yeah. That it just says lacuna on there, but because they print out that, uh, that letter to all their friends and neighbors and everything, like it does imply later on in the movie, like
0: that's, what that letter was, I never noticed that letter. And now I'm now realizing that his neighbor is a huge dick later in the movie.
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. So Joel goes into his apartment. He's getting pajamas on, getting his bed already. He takes some pills, And he's sitting in bed, and he starts walking around, and he realizes, like, hey, these drugs are, like, starting to take effect, and I'm starting to get sleepy. Like, looks out the window before that, sees the van's outside. Closes his blinds. Closes his blinds, (laughs) being awkward about the whole situation. Person in the van says that it's showtime at the Apollo, because there is a sign, I think it's, like, turn on a lamp or something like that. And that's how we know to go into your apartment. Um, So they start wheeling all this equipment up into the apartment. You get a cut to Joel, and he is in his bed and you see a shot of him in the distance talking to his neighbor with the scene we just saw at the mailbox and it's sort of disorienting
2: yeah kind of gets blurry and blurrier as the scene goes on
0: yeah and then you get a behind the back shot of jim carrey talking to the neighbor but everything around him starts blurring and blacking out and he's very very confused at this point and it cuts to joel talking with his friends saying it's three days till valentine's day and he went and he got her a gift and he was trying to talk to her and he went to her work. And then there was this just this guy there and she like pretended like she didn't even know who he was. And she was like flirting with this guy and kissing on him. Joel's like, I have no idea why she would do this to me. Like, why is she acting this way? And the friends that he's talking to are just like, I don't know. Maybe it's just like her way of trying to get back at you, just playing a weird game. And Joel's still just being all confused. And so he walks out of the Barnes and Noble and is suddenly in his friend's house. After seeing all of that when he's talking about it through voiceover. It's a really cool shot, actually. I don't... I I wanted to look at how they did that, and I didn't look at it. Two rooms. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) And Joel, like, starts asking again, like, why would she treat him like that? And Joel's like, I should go to her house. And the friends are like, no, 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 don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. And one of the friends is like, okay, I think you deserve to know. And he starts pulling this letter out from this drawer. That friend's wife is like, no, what are you doing? Just don't do that. He's like, I think he deserves to know. Starts throwing laundry at him and saying, like, this is your laundry. You do it. You put it away. And just getting mad at him and she storms upstairs and he's like, here, Joel, take this letter. You should read it. The letter says that Clem has decided to erase Joel from her memory. He is, I would say, again, reasonably confused about this yeah. whole thing.
2: I also know that friend was saying, like, maybe you should join. He said that a couple of times. yeah. I guess this is a scene. there is a cool part where, like, towards the end of the scene, you see the name Clementine just fade off the paper as well, yeah. and that's a kind of neat scene.
0: Yeah, just showing, like, already it's starting to just—everything that he knows about her is just going away. Also, I like that. To- Which I was going to say, at this point in the film,
3: you don't realize that—you kind of just don't, re- don't realize he's getting all these memories erased quite yet. Yeah, just, like, little things in the background that are just, like, slowly being erased from his memory yeah it's very interesting how they did all those sh- well not how they did the shots but just like how it showed up on r for the film because it's just
0: something if you're not really paying attention to it then you don't really notice it at first yeah it all looks really really good like even for the time i think just the effects how they use them
2: those ones look good yeah there are other ones there's large. there's
0: a couple shots that don't look so great <laughs> also in the scene though there is a dog yes. that the the friend has and it looks like a nice little dog right Looks like just a few little doggy.
2: it's quite large
0: it is a large dog Apparently, the director said that that dog was a bitch to work with. It was constantly (laughs) trying to bite everybody. So, there's that.
2: (laughs) Is that why he's like, just get off?
0: (laughs) Probably. So, it cuts over to Joel at the Lacuna office. And you see the receptionist just taking a bunch of calls, saying that, like, that deal is no longer there because of the new year. And she finally sees Joel and, like, talks to him. After she gets done with her phone call, Joel introduces himself. And he says, like, he has an appointment with the doctor. And she's like,
2: oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Fill this thing
0: out. Yeah. He's like, I had an appointment. She's like, no, you still need to to fill that out, though, guy. So he fills that out and finally gets done with that, and she starts showing him the way back there. And a guy jumps out, and he scares her, scares the receptionist. Uh, Fun fact. uh, Mark Ruffalo plays that character. His name is Stan. Uh, The receptionist's name is Mary, played played by uh, Kirsten Dunst. And the director told Mark Ruffalo that for every time they, they did that take, to hide somewhere new to scare her. (laughs) <laughs> so that she would actually, like, not know where it was coming from and be a little more scared every time.
2: All right. Time for e-guesses if this is the correct celebrities. Okay. Uh, let's do it. Let's go. I got two. So is that uh, Bruce Banner? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You got one. one. Uh Is the other one the girl from The Christmas Prince? No. No. Ah, oh. oh, so close. You have seen her, though. I bet I have. I recognized her face at the very least. Oh, yeah. You've
0: got to get this one.
2: Five hundred days of summer. No, (laughs) no, not even
0: close. Damn it! It's a series. (laughs) She was. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say she was a very popular actress in the uh, early two thousands. Yeah. 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 (laughs) All I had to mention was series because it's the only one we've watched. (laughs) Yeah. There's one.
2: (laughs) There's one series we have watched. Um. He's in the office. He goes to the Mister, not Walter. Howard. Howard. Howard is his name. The other old white man name. Uh.
0: Who, you've seen this actor before. Where have you seen this actor? The the Howard. Does he a
2: doctor? Kind of. I don't like that answer. You, you've
0: seen him very recently in another movie. Extremely recently.
2: 500 Days of Summer.
0: <laughs> oh oh. What? You just have all the memories of that movie, I think. Or none of them.
2: <laughs> I have like two memories of that movie.
0: <laughs> it is literally the last movie we watched.
2: Was he a doctor in Blue Palace? The last kiss. He was the therapist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, we didn't even watch the Blue Valentine last week. <laughs> oh my goodness!
0: <laughs> Killing me.
2: I'm not trying to. <laughs> I don't control my brain. Yeah. yeah.
0: So he starts off with saying, like, he apologized to Joel, saying that he all never right. should have seen the letter at all.
2: Actually, this. For you, how would you like
3: avoid that though? i don't know i think they're yeah hoping, i think they're just hoping people are going to stick to the honor system with it but like, but like he's would... not
2: allowed to know so how would he know to avoid clementine like they're not like moving people out of the city like if they no, like move clementine to the city over i think that would make more sense but she still lives there but it's
3: one thing that you do see like whenever he walks into the doctor's office too is like they just have a printer that's constantly
0: going saying like so and so had their memories of so and so don't but, mention like, them but like if you have a disgruntled relationship like maybe it's just a super shitty ex or something and he forces himself to go talk to you, like if he just keeps trying over and over and over again, like something's gonna click, right? I, think,
1: I think the majority of the time the relationship is over and it's not they got into an argument and that's, she that's erases point. him. I, guess, I think well, most I, of the time they're broken up.
2: Just the system seems kinda flimsy cause like Again, like, it's the letter sent to everyone but the person who needs to be, like, erased. I just don't see how you would keep that person away. Like, even just passing by, unless they both, like, mutually agree to erase each other, I don't see how this wouldn't mess up a lot. Which, maybe it does, considering how, like, nonchalant he was about, like, oh, whoops, you're not supposed to see.
1: I think it does. I think this movie also has a lot to do with fate. Throughout somebody else, throughout people's lives. I think we get into that a little bit later, but... Yeah. I think that this is like a... That silent connotation If it has to do with fate. If you're actually supposed to be around somebody or with somebody, you eventually find your way back because...
2: Fate or destiny or whatever you want to...
0: So, the Dr. Howard is explaining all of that to Joel. Joel, like, refuses to believe anything that's going on here, and the doctor says that... He can't show him any evidence that it works because it's against their policy. So he just can't show him anything. And Joel's at the friend's house again. And still he's just not understanding how she, she would do this to him. The Friends say like, I don't know. She just was like talking about it like nonchalant. She just thought it was kind of like a joke, like a lark. And she just did it. So Joel like freaks out kind of a little bit and looks real sad and depressed. That's kind of his default look. And he rushes back to the office and he starts running back to talk to Howard. And he's demanding that the treatment be done to him. Mary is like, you can't do that. There's like, there's appointments and all these things. And Howard's like, no, 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 it's fine. Just let him through. Just let him through. It's fine. And so you get sort of this montage of voiceover and the doctor saying that Joel needs to grab any of the memories of her, any mementos, uh, anything that could possibly remind him of anything that they've done together, places they've been, things they saw, things they did, things they've talked about. Things she owns, things, things. Yeah. Just anything to do with her that could possibly spark a memory
2: all those soiled bed sheets gross
0: <laughs> you don't just leave those soiled you know that right what <laughs> you watch them <laughs> so joel's at the office and in a meeting talking to the doctor and this is when we learn that there's just kind of this little thing of he records everything on tape and starts saying everything from beginning to end about the relationship just little things Um, emotions attached to memories because the doctor goes on to explain that that's really how this whole thing works is that it's not just the memories but it's really the emotions that are attached to all the memories that they're erasing
1: well it also works with like machinery so when you're getting an mri and ct scans and things like that um it's how you react to things your brain reacts to these and most of them are emotions it runs off dopamine and serotonin so it actually maps it out that way um but also it seems like it's jumping around here, because I can see if somebody's listening to this, and they're like, Well, mm-hmm. Jariah's going from the living room to the bookstore to the doctor's office, to back to their friends, to back I mean, to, to the thing. To theme. be fair,
3: like it does smash cut a lot during this whole time period.
1: Well, it's not so much a time period, it's this is already being erased. Yeah. And, and that's the thing
3: yeah, and that's the thing is like if you're not paying attention to it, you'll you notice in the background like little things are just like kind of leaving the scene just are kind of popping out of existence, if you will. Yeah. But it just, uh, since it hasn't really been explained yet, that all this is being erased from him, it just seems like it's just jumping back and forth
0: sporadically, if you will. Yeah. Like Liz was saying, like, yeah, it is, <laughs> this is a part, this is something I was worried about going into this movie. It's just really hard to explain what's happening because it jumps back and forth between reality and dreams and things that are starting to get erased. And like Liz is saying, like at this point, this is when everything starts to really coalesce and starts to come into like, Joel is realizing that he is in his dreams right now and that things are starting to be erased.
2: Just like try to imagine recollecting a dream that based in reality that you've had and you'd probably understand what watching this movie's like.
3: Yeah. yeah. It's like if you kind of have a dream of that's based off of something that really happened to
2: you. You know, you just like walk to your apartment and then you're in the hospital, stuff like that.
3: Yeah.
1: I think what's really cool of how, like, if you're paying attention of the mapping of their screen to his brainwaves that are happening and why it also jumps around, which I think is really clever on the director's end as well, is that it takes on the core memory and then it um, webs out to any other memory that links to that base. And so it, the movie jumps around as the machine is jumping around to erase these memories. Because it's a base and it webs out and it needs to get rid of the, all of the other little structures that it has hung on to as well.
2: That's cool. That's something I
0: never really thought of either. There's a
1: little cool, neat
2: little things throughout this movie like that.
1: Yeah.
0: And so Joel does start telling him everything about Clem. Uh, Fun fact, during the scene of recording, they recorded obviously a whole lot because there's a whole tape recording of everything that he talks about. Um, Jim Carrey got apparently very emotional during the scene. To the point to where uh, once he threw the tape recorder across and broke it. Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, there's that.
2: That that seems inconvenient.
0: (laughs) A little bit. But also super cool. And maybe too intense.
3: That is kind of Jim Carrey's style, though. Like, whenever he does somewhat serious movies like this, or movies that have a serious tone to them, he does do a method acting. Yeah. Like, he's been known to do that throughout the years.
0: Yeah. Ugh. He, uh,
2: yeah, with serious roles, I would say he is a bit of a method actor. Yeah, you know, like the Grinch, he really got into that role a lot. That's the only I mean, movie I've I... <laughs> seen with this in it.
3: How is that even possible? I mean, I guess fun fact about the Grinch, actually, apparently he had to go through a pain boot camp for that movie.
2: There is a lot of slapstick in that movie. There,
3: it's not even the slapstick. Are uh, the reason why is because like I guess the contacts that he had covered pretty much like the entire surface of his eye. And they were super painful to wear, so they put him through a pain boot camp so that way he'd be able to withstand wearing those contacts without, you know, feeling like he was going to die. A lot of uh,
0: prosthetics as well. That too. But he starts talking about a beach party that his friends took him to, and that's the first time that he met Clem. And right in the, when he's starting to get into the story, he gets interrupted by someone dropping a bunch of things. They have these googly eyes on, and it turns out it is someone's name that we will learn in a little bit. We don't
2: learn it you now.
1: We did learn his name already.
0: Oh, right, because you hear...
1: In the bookstore, she says his name. Patrick. Patrick, which is why the doctor says it the yeah. same way. Baby boy.
0: <laughs> Bab. <laughs> so the doctor is taking Joel's vitals, and he tells Joel that all the memories trap through motion. Joel asks um, what the long-term effects of this are. Like, is what kind? Of, is it possible to get brain damage doing all this? And the doctor tells him, like, well, technically, this procedure is brain damage. <laughs> But uh nothing that isn't akin to a heavy night of drinking only a minor case of brain damage. Yeah, that's fine you don't need all of your brain <laughs> goes to Joel sitting in the machine and being things being placed in front of him and he starts to like talk about the memory that's attached to it and Stan is like no no actually don't uh, don't say anything out loud don't explain anything to me. It's better if you just think about the memory. I get a much better picture that way. Joel's like oh uh, okay kind of kind of off put by the, by the, the idea of uh, that.
2: Yeah. I mean, if if you had to tell the story connected to every piece of object, they'd be there for like three days.
0: So he's told to concentrate on the emotion. And as this is happening, Joel starts to realize that he's already in his head. And he sees himself in two different areas because he pops over and it's the doctor giving him the vital. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm already in the dream, aren't I? And Howard's like, uh... yeah yeah yeah, i suppose so this is probably about what it would look like yeah he's freaking out a little bit and then the doctor says that they will dispose of all the mementos so he doesn't have to worry about why there's all these little things around his apartment of things that he doesn't remember happening at this point joel is hearing patrick in the real world uh while also experiencing all these memories that he has of this which causes
3: the memories and to kind of blend in with reality and he kind of makes that sense of i i I don't like this i don't like any of this Mm mm-hmm
0: and the machine in the real world is kind of freaking out a little bit. So Stan asks Patrick to uh, fix some of the wires. So Patrick is down there messing around with wires. And you kind of hear that in Joel's memories as well. You kind of hear that like weird staticky thing. Yeah. If you ever plugged in a microphone over a PA system, that's a little too loud.
2: As they keep messing with the wires and stuff, it starts to really affect like Joel starts just glowing Yeah. at a point.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, things just start to freak out with Joel's memories way more. And Stan freaks out on Patrick. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa what are you doing? You're going to fry him. And he's like, oh, okay, sorry. Patrick is there talking. He's like looking around the apartment. And he like says that the apartment is a dump. What a d- I hate Patrick. Such a <laughs> shit. I really hate Patrick in this movie. He's an asshole.
2: I mean, that's him. I mean, on top
3: of him being an asshole, he's kind of like a dude bro asshole. Yeah, a little bit, I would say. Yeah, yeah.
2: I feel like he's too much of a wiener to be a dude bro, though. That's why it's
0: weird.
3: Yeah. <laughs> But nevertheless, he has like that chin strap beard and the hairstyle and the way that he dresses and every and the way that he acts too. It seems like, I guess maybe if he's too much of a wiener to be a dude bro. Maybe he's a wiener trying to be a dude bro. But everyone like he's the only one who feels like he is, and everyone else is
2: just like, sure, buddy. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, that
2: feels more accurate.
0: Yeah. Okay. You're you're a, you're a dude bro.
2: Yeah, you definitely could win in that fight, man. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Good.
0: So it goes over to. Another of Joel's memories and in, in voiceover, it says, this is the last time I saw you. And you see Clem in the apartment and she is getting a drink of water out straight from the faucet. She goes and lays down on the couch and she's like, so I may have hit something with your car.
2: Well, first it was like, it's three. He was saying like, it's three in the morning, wasn't he? Yeah, you're right. He's very annoyed with her due to the fact that he, she's out late. Yeah.
0: He starts calling her like pathetic and irresponsible for getting drunk. Clem starts saying like he's like an old lady, and he's like, "Well, I think you're a wino." And Clem just like mocks him for saying that.
2: I don't she's think like, I've ever heard a single person say the word wino. They're usually
0: over seventy years old.
2: Fair enough. My All right. mom, just my mom a dad.
0: Actually,
3: my mom used to use that phrase. <laughs> she's half dad. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she's not over seventy though. Well, I mean, if you have to be two people, she you put Aggie her age just and you double
4: could.
3: it. <laughs> yeah, wino is basically just like an old-fashioned saying of like a high-class alcoholic, basically, that only gets drunk off of wine. I guess. So Clem says he is just
1: freaked out. She, she says that you're just thinking if I did fuck someone, and he says, no, I know you fuck someone. We were, I'm thinking of who? Because that's how he you actually get said somebody.
3: I, I, I presumed that you fucked somebody, because the only way that you can get someone to like you is
0: for you to fuck them. And she gets very, very upset at this.
2: Yeah, that's kind of yeah. fucked yeah. up. <laughs> yeah,
0: to it's say. a fucked up thing to say. It is. <laughs> and so she starts going through and just packing up a few little things through the house, and he starts following her. And uh, fun fact, this whole scene was achieved through practical effects.
2: Neat. Yeah. Is uh, a weird room set up or what?
0: There was like a little trap door uh, in the bathroom. Oh. So whenever they go in there, she just sneaks out through the trap door to the right of the door and then walks out through that way. Hmm. Um, so he's chasing after her. And it goes over to real world. Mark is telling Patrick that Mary might be coming over tonight, and Patrick's like, "Oh, that, that's cool. Like maybe I'll invite my girlfriend. I have a new girlfriend, you know. Did I tell you about that? That I have a new girlfriend." And Stan is a. Uh, I said Mark. Uh, I said what's his, his name? name? <laughs> uh, Stan. Okay. Stan is Mark Ruffalo's character. Okay. Stan is very clearly not interested in talking to Patrick about this at all. I'm like, they're not friends, and. Patrick starts saying that his girlfriend's situation is a little weird. Cuts back to Joel in his memory. He goes outside to go and chase after Clementine in the memory. And he sees that the car is pressed up against a fire hydrant that she wrecked into. And so he pulls out and he starts driving after her. And he's saying he wants to drive her home.
2: She's not having that.
0: Just look at it out here, Clem. Everything is falling apart. There's literally things from a car falling from the sky. And everything is just sort of in chaos and then he starts telling her he's like you're being erased you know you're being erased i'm happy about it i don't care that they're erasing you starts chasing after her and while he's doing this it's a really cool shot which i think this is one of the shots that don't hold up super well um but it is really cool still and he's like chasing her down the street and when he's doing that he gets to the end of the street and there's nothing there he looks behind her she's still walking away (laughs) and just copies the street kind of back and forth in this infinite loop Um, you can see like the seam of where the shot switches over from side to side, but it's still a cool effect. I think. Through all of this, we start to hear in Joel's dream Patrick talking to Stan. So the my new girlfriend is actually uh, Clementine.
2: Yeah, this guy's or old.
0: This guy's old girlfriend basically is what he goes into. He's like, "What? That's so weird." He's like, "Yeah, I stole a pair of her panties." He's like, "You did what?" Yeah, he's, he's like, did. "Yeah, I just as they were clean." He's like, "That's not the part that's important. That's <laughs> not the part that matters. You stole her panties." <laughs>
2: Yeah, so, yeah, Patrick's just a, bit, a little shit. Yeah, he sucks. <laughs>
0: they, like, freak out for a second, and then they just look at each other and laugh. Yeah. And had that weird Mark Ruffalo laugh that is awkwardly charming.
2: Well, it's like this scene, too, where, like, in actual life, uh, Joel says Patrick, right? Because he hears that and then repeats it into actual life.
1: Yeah, so Patrick is actually the character that always makes Joel realize that that he's in the dream that he's in the dream being erased Um, he's always and when you know he finally knows that he's being erased and decides that he doesn't want that anymore is the exact same time that Patrick leaves and you see Clementine's breakdown as well so
0: in the dream Joel and Clem are sitting on the couch eating Chinese and like Liz is just saying like here Patrick going through all of this and the real world is meshing in with his dream quite a bit and while all this is going on, the memory is just erasing itself right in front of his eyes and turning into other memories. Goes into a memory of uh, Joel pretending to be dead. And he like puts ketchup around his throat and pretends to be dead. And Clem is uh, getting dressed and getting ready to leave. I think she like calls my child or something like
2: that. Mm, something along those lines.
0: I don't remember. She's really pissed off. She's like, I'll see you at the flea market and leaves. And uh, Joel gets up real defeated, cleans up all the ketchup off of himself cuts to joel and clem walking on the street and clem starts like saying that she wants a baby and joel says like uh i don't know do you really think that you would be a good mom which she takes offense to
2: (laughs) yeah it's usually something to take offense to yeah and this starts a
0: giant argument to which joel doesn't want to have an argument he keeps telling like i don't want to have this argument right here can we talk about this later and clem doesn't want to do that and they just she kind of has that attitude of like, no,
3: we're going to have this argument right here in the flea market. Right you can't now. just
2: make a statement like that and be like, no, we, we'll talk about it later.
0: Yeah, it'd be shitty. <laughs> so the memory is starting to be erased as they're walking down and everything starts to get blurry and you hear a doorbell and that kind of kicks us back into reality and Mary's at the apartment and walks in, immediately kisses Stan overly affectionately, I would say, creepily affectionately. And uh, Patrick is just staring at him, smiling the whole time, which is also creepy. Stan offers her a beer, and she's like, do you guys have anything real to drink? Stan's like, uh, I don't know, I haven't checked yet. And tells Patrick to go check, and she's like, no, no, I'll do it. And they start going through Joel's cupboards, and they find his whiskey. She pours two glasses, she brings one out to Stan. She's like, oh, I'm sorry, Patrick, did you want one? And he's about to answer, and Stan's like, no, no, he, uh, he, uh, he's fine, he's good.
2: The thing is, Patrick does like keep saying like that Mary hates him. Yeah. Which, Which yeah, she probably probably does.
0: (laughs) Seems like that vibe is around there.
2: (laughs) They're not on the best of terms, at
3: least. I mean, I think we've established that Patrick's not exactly a likable character in this movie, either.
0: No, he's a little shit. Yeah, he's super unlikable. And then she's, like, a toast. And she says a poem. She says, blessed are the forgetful, for they get the better, even if they are blunderous. She says it's from Nietzsche. So they start talking, and she's, like, starts talking about Howard kind of out of nowhere, saying, like, she thinks Howard would like that one. She thinks Howard is going to be in Bartlett sometime, and Stan's like, yeah, he probably will be. Patrick knocks over a cooler beer, and everyone starts laughing. And she's like, but can he be woken up? Pointing over to Joel. Which I will throw in. Two fun facts right here. Number one, for most of the scenes in the apartment, Jim Carrey is actually sitting there on the bed pretending to be asleep. For a large majority of the scenes, even when he's not really in the shot. Secondly, the scenes in the apartment with Patrick and stan and mary are mostly improvised to the point to where kirsten dunst was actually getting very annoyed on set because of how much uh mark ruffalo and elijah wood were going off script and she (laughs) apparently got very annoyed and complained to the director about it
2: nice she just really wanted to say the proverb
0: (laughs) she actually has gone on record saying that this is probably her favorite character she's ever played
2: she doesn't do much
0: She doesn't, but it's a fun script.
2: That's fair, I suppose. It's a fun
3: script, and despite her not having a whole lot to do in her role, she does still play a pretty important character. I'd argue, at least.
0: I mean, yeah. Also, a fun fact that I forgot that I was going to throw in here earlier, um, when Joel starts first realizing in the doctor's office that everything is... that he's in the dream and everything is falling apart, um, Jim Carrey was adamant that he wanted to add his own touch to the scene to make it more crazy, so in all those scenes when he's sitting in the chair in the doctor's office when everything is going crazy, he has his pants off. You don't see it, <laughs> but he just took his pants off because he wanted to add something a little more crazy. Off. Yeah.
2: Is that, why the, is that why the doctor is so like weird in those scenes because he just knows that Jim Carrey has <laughs> his pants off? It's very possible.
0: <laughs> I really like the actor who plays the doctor in this and the therapist in The Last Kiss. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. He's I don't, a very good actor. I can't remember any other movie besides those two those two that he's been in.
2: I told you he was in Blue Valentine. He's
0: not in Blue <laughs> Valentine. <laughs> Just saying it over and over doesn't make it true. But from yeah, these but two movies like people might believe it. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs>
2: hey, so, where so they're in the they're in his house stealing all his food and alcohol, <laughs> partying. Yeah. yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's a uh, cuts to a scene in Joel's head um, with them being under the covers. And Joel is, like, constantly talking isn't necessarily communication. Clem says that she's mad that he would say something like that. Goes on basically just being more and more angry about that. And Joel tries to cuddle with her in the memory, and she, like, moves away. And then the memory's gone, which... That's how a lot of these scenes with Joel end, is that the memory just fades away or disappears, okay. or is erased actively? Which is why... Some of, those, or
3: some of those scenes, it's not so much like you see it being race as much as it just kind of abruptly ends. Yeah. At least early on. Yeah.
0: yeah. And then it cuts over to them eating dinner in a, uh, at King's. Yeah. It's a dinner at King's again. Are we like those bored couples you feel sorry for in restaurants? Are we the dining dead? And it goes on to say, like, I can't stand the thought of people looking at us like that. And Clem is drinking. Joel's like, well, she's going to be drunk and stupid now. Clem asks Joel if next time he takes a shower, if he would clean the hair out of the shower because it's gross. Repulsive, even. And all the while, while she's saying this, Joel is wording or mouthing those words that she's saying back because he just has them obviously memorized since we're in his memory. And while this is going on, he hears Patrick on the phone with Clem, which I don't know how he hears Clem's side of it.
2: It's on speakerphone. Is it? Uh, No, I'm just...
0: goes over to a memory in the library of Patrick because he hears Patrick and all of that, and it clicks in his head that it's Patrick, so he basically makes his brain go back to that memory, and he tries to spin Patrick around, which is a weird-looking effect. Yeah, I don't think it
2: works. It almost works. It's when it's, like, constantly spinning that. I don't think this one works. I think that,
0: for me, it makes it better because of how awkward it is and how weird it is.
2: Yeah, it's clicking to... um joel that peter's peter peter patrick patrick's patrick i guess i'll do the same. Okay, this is 2004 mm-hmm. so you got yeah. 2004 era special effects yeah so take with that what you will
0: grain of salt
2: and all that and then so back to reality i believe yeah pat patrick mm-hmm. is on the phone and clem's freaking out yeah just clem's freaking out yeah saying yeah. that she doesn't,
0: like, know what's going on or she doesn't know what she's going to do and she's freaking yeah. out she doesn't know why. And Patrick is there and he, like, He's like oh. asks Stan if he can leave for a while because
2: Clem's freaking out. Yeah,
0: and Stan's, like, about to say no at first and Mary's like, let him go. Like, I want to hang out with you and be alone or something like that. And so Stan's like, yeah, yeah, leave. It's fine, it's fine. Cut to the dream of Clem with orange hair.
2: Right, because Patrick calls her Tangerine. tangerine.
0: or the phone. So that triggers the memory for Joel cuts and that's when he first calls her Tangerine which is something he clearly put in journals we find later
2: all of these things which just
0: man just think about Patrick and I get angry
1: that's <laughs>
2: so that a, why would she I guess because Time and Tangerines are pretty similar regardless but like that'd be a weird nickname considering she has blue hair
1: no at this point in the memories um, she has orange hair no no that
2: Patrick calls her Tangerine
1: she had orange hair when they had met
2: Oh, okay. And he
1: met her because he erased her memory, and so oh, okay. he was creepy. And, and she yeah. had orange hair at that time.
2: <laughs> okay, okay, I can see that then. Yeah, and
0: then in the dream, Joel is asking like how Patrick knows to call her that, which we, as the audience, should also be questioning why that is. Mary and Stan are getting high at this point while laying down on oh. Joel's bed right next to oh. him.
2: They're they're using some drug.
0: Some drug. They're using some drug. <laughs> Stan starts talking about something that like, bothers him or something that he's really impressed. Oh, no, a band. It mm-hmm. starts talking about a band, the clash, I think it is, that he's really yeah. impressed with. He's like, isn't that crazy? She's like, yeah, it is. And then starts going on to talk about Howard um, out of nowhere. That was
2: Howard's favorite band, <laughs> the clash. She just keeps saying how. Clash home. at Demon Head.
0: <laughs> yeah. So she starts saying like just how amazing Howard is. And got stands a wind like ulcer or something. Yeah, stands like. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, pr- Pretty, pretty amazing. Yep. Cuts over to Patrick getting to Clem's house, and she is breaking down and freaking out and kind of having a bit of an anxiety attack of sorts. And Patrick tries to soothe her, and she's like, "Let's go, let's go dancing. No, no, no. Let's go to Montauk."
2: He's like, oh, "Okay, yeah. Well, we could go next week." And she's like, "No, right no, now. Right now,
0: I have to go. Right now." Which is what Liz was saying earlier, is that like she has this very. Cool. This thing that she just does, like, that's that's her thing. Like, she goes to these places every time. Custis, Stan, and Mary dancing, half naked, uh, on Joel's bed while he's sleeping. Very high, still smoking. This scene was all improvised, by the way. I have no idea how they got to the thing of, like, let's take half of our clothes off. Maybe they were smoking <laughs> real weed. Who knows?
1: So, I think, too, like, at this point, Joel, in his memory, has does not want to want them to be erased anymore. So he's trying to wake up. Um mm-hmm. and Patrick has taken all of his things, which you realize now, um, taken Joel's things that he has collected from Clementine and the things that he's bought her to try to go and um calm Clementine down. And so he's reading through Joel's journals that he ripped out and things like that. And this is where he's getting all of the information on Clementine.
0: Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, you're right You do see him whenever Clem says she wants to go to Montauk And he agrees to it when she walks out of the room You do see him going through his backpack full of all of the things that uh, Joel brought in With all the memories and journal entries and drawings and all that kind of stuff So Patrick calls Stan, he says he won't be back tonight And Stan's like, yeah, yeah, that's fine, that's completely cool, whatever Because he just wants to get late at this point point. And so Patrick is trying to cheer up Clem And he gets this little package out that we saw earlier that Joel bought for her this little necklace or this little present um, and Patrick gets it out and he's like here I got you this thing and she's like what is it like, uh, I don't know open it and find out <laughs> because he also doesn't know what it is and she opens it and she's like wow I've never this is beautiful I've never had a piece of jewelry from anybody that I've actually liked before this is amazing thank you um, she's like Joel is the person
1: who got it for her and I think that the thing there also is the look that she gives Patrick. She's questioning it. Yeah. Because she's never reached someone and she, what it seems like a very recent, you know, relationship as to how would somebody know me so quickly yeah. mm-hmm. to get it. And I think that's kind of her first glimpse as to maybe why she's basically having a panic attack the whole time Yeah, um, that her and Patrick are together at this point
0: back goes. to
2: joel land
0: yes and this is when clem asks if she is ugly joel's like saying no you're not ugly and she's like i used to have this favorite doll when i was a little girl and i called it clementine and i kept telling it you can't be ugly you can't be ugly be pretty and joel just tells her like you're you're not ugly you are pretty and starts kissing on her and kissing on her she tells joel never to leave this is the first time. This is actually a really nice moment. Yeah. you yeah. talking about is uh, you just hear VO of Joel saying like, please let me keep this memory, yeah. just this one.
3: And as he's saying, like, please let me keep just this one memory. You can see it just slowly starting to
0: be pulled away from him. Yeah. And it cuts to Joel and Clem on the ice. Joel says he's exactly where he wants to be. He's never been as happy as he is right now.
2: He could die right there. Yeah. And be happy. And this was something, when Patrick was rummaging through the stuff, he read this exact line in one of the notes. He did. And
0: then shows him on the train station floor, just suddenly, instead of on the ice. Clem just kind of glides away from him on the floor. Almost like being pulled away, but effortlessly. And Joel screams out, I don't want this anymore. Do you hear me? I don't want this anymore! I want to call it off!
2: And see, this was when I couldn't... See, I can't take that scene seriously at all. Really? No. <laughs> I thought that scene was really good. I just. Too. Like, I just like looking at Jim Carrey just like screaming like that. It's just hilarious to be. To be quite frank. See? This is that thing that Liz was
0: talking about. People just yeah. can't accept Jim Carrey as a real actor. Uh, okay. You're the problem, <laughs>
2: i literally only have seen him as the Grinch. <sighs> I mean, that's one of his worst movies. Yeah, I was going to say, fair. I think.
3: This. Dry is taking a bit of offense to that, but me and Dry, I grew up watching a bunch of Jim Carrey movies back in the early '90s.
0: I mean, here's the thing: I don't even like Jim Carrey as like a comedy actor. Like, I look back at like The Mask and Ace Ventura and stuff like that, and I just think they're pretty lame. Oh, yeah, I have seen The point. Mask actually. <laughs> so you've seen the two movies I've where seen. he has a green face? Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I see the movies where you could like green screen him out of the movies. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but like, I don't really hold his comedy as like high regards. I feel. When I was a kid, it was very funny. If I tried watching it now, it would be extremely obnoxious, uh, which is a lot of the reason why I don't want to go see the Sonic movie, because everyone keeps saying it's Jim Carrey back at his 90s and that's not what I want. That's fair. Yeah. But yeah, it's... Uh, I know this wasn't
3: the first time, because I know he did some roles before this where he was trying to be serious, but I know that for a while there in the early 2000s, he was very... Or trying very, very hard to get more into, like, a serious acting roles.
0: Yeah, um, I think it started with the Truman Show. That was kind of his first big dramatic role. Which uh, the Truman Show, I think, is a fantastic movie. Stupid, yeah, scary too. Mm-hmm. I haven't uh, seen it, but liar, I liar, he... he did that. He was in a lot of movies. <laughs> I cannot name all the movies. Even
2: I, even if you did, I guarantee I would get less and less of me knowing them.
0: <laughs> Probably. So, Joel tells Clem that they got to go, and he like grabs her. She's laying on the ice, picks her up, and they start running back and forth on this fourth on the ice, which is a nice visualization of him trying to run back and forth between memories, because he's saying, like, we have to find a memory where they can't find you. I have to hide you. It's just them running back and forth in the ice, and he's trying to find all these memories, and it's kind of between some things that he knows already and some things that he doesn't, and just everything kind of getting erased as he's seeing them. And it's them in this, in the Grand Train Station. Grand Central Station? Grand (laughs) Central Station. Yeah. Um, They're in there, and... Clem mentions like, "Oh, this is when we're gonna go see my grandma." I really like this scene a lot because you see all the people in the background just start popping out of existence. Yeah. yeah. Well, really what cool. I noticed
3: if I don't know if it was the first, but it's what I noticed first is like he puts down his bags and like as he puts down the bags and tells him, "No, no like no, we can't visit your grandma." His bags that disappear first, and then yeah. her bags, and then all the people
0: around them start disappearing. Yeah, it's a really cool scene. And then he stumbles into the memory of the interview with the doctor, and mentions like. He, you're erasing her from me. Erasing me from her. And, uh, fun fact in this scene, um... There were two Jim Carrey's in real life for that scene. How'd you know? (laughs) No, uh, this was all just done in one shot. So it was actually Jim Carrey standing there, and then when it would go over to the doctor, he would take off the hat and the jacket off and sit down Mm -hmm. and keep doing that so he did that like three or four times that seemed to have been uh originally very long actually of yeah. doing
2: that that does explain a lot of why he's in like different positions <laughs> each time they yeah. visit the doctor
0: yeah. so it cuts over to clem and patrick on the ice and patrick says that line of oh, this is the happiest i have ever been i could die right now and clem freaks out she's like i have to leave he's like wait what, what do you mean I have to leave? i have to go right now and she just gets up and starts walking away and she's just freaking out and cuts to another uh, memory of joel and clem in the woods joel is like saying how stupid he is for hiring them clem starts saying something about how it's not really like him or something like that or something so they're talking here and joel's like you hired them first you erased me first She's like you're right you're right i'm
2: i do things on impulse yeah
0: and so Clem's like, You just need to wake up. And he's like, Okay, I'll just wake up. I haven't tried that. I'll just I'll just lay down, and wake up, I'll just open my eyes and wake up. And so he lays down, he forces his eyes open. And in the real world, his eyes actually open. <laughs> he's like, whoa, 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 that that worked. He's like, it worked? Yeah, it worked just a second. I couldn't move, I could see everything, it worked. Like, oh and it cuts to a memory of them on the couch. Clem says to hide her in memories where she doesn't belong, so that they can't find her so which i
3: guess it's one of those things like it doesn't seem like it would be at the moment because uh wherever they're sitting on the couch she's like you're staring down at my panties that are at this point in time we're in a memory again i like, i have to hide you before i lose you Or in this or in this memory and mm-hmm. that's when she yeah says like oh hide me somewhere where they're not going to be looking for or for me like um, or it's like think of a memory where i'm not in And he's like i can't think of a memory that you're not in right now and she's <laughs> yeah. like well that's the problem you
0: need to find one he's like oh that's sweet but really <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah so he starts thinking of a memory of when him a kid as a kid in the rain and i like this part too a lot because that memory and this memory start like meshing together and it starts raining in the apartment and cuts to a memory of joel as a kid hiding under a table he's like oh i must be four right now Clem just just saying over and over again like oh i love this dress like oh my god i love this kitchen everything is so beautiful it's
2: a nice dress to be fair it's very
0: 70s it's fine yes fine (laughs) i'm not against the dress (laughs) it's okay if you hate the dress (laughs) thank you Robbie thank you for that support and I also like the scene because it's Joel as an adult but also Joel remembering what it was like being four and he's like struggling going back and forth between the two of them yeah and he like doesn't know how to kind of cope I guess with like, should he like be the memory or be himself but it's also it's a really cool way they did
3: it I feel like they just had two kitchens for this scene or that or they did some weird practical effect that I'm not sure. But like with oh. Jim Carrey being the size of a
0: four-year-old. and Fun fact. This was done with practical effects. Okay. It was a forced perspective shot. Okay. With a slanted room and some bigger objects and stuff. Yeah, So the, a lot say, of the same effects were used in... Uh, Lord of the Rings. There you go. Also with Elijah Wood. That's the connection.
3: <laughs> but no, I did like that because it seems like Kate Winslet is, or um, Clementine is you know normal size and then um joel is the size of a four-year-old but he still looks like
0: normal joel yeah it's a really good effect just very tiny a lot of shots in this are very classic practical effects
2: those are the ones that look better they do honestly yeah yeah
0: but joel is crying uncontrollably here and clem's like no no joel 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 look look just look see my crotch is still here just like you remember it yeah oh yuck
3: gross yeah but like it's a weird scene wherever Joel is still Joel, but he's like slowly slipping into his four year old self of him, his mother not giving him enough attention and him crying because she's not giving him enough attention. Yeah. And then her trying to say, like, snap out of it. You're not four years old right now.
2: Or is he? Ba-ba-ba. He is
0: and isn't. He's Schrodinger's four year old. <laughs> that sounds creepier than it is. <laughs> <laughs> Just anyway, cuts to real life and Stan realizes uh, after very obviously pulling post coitus with mary which fun fact i guess i don't know if this is a fun fact it's just a fact um there was a sex scene shot with them that they cut out
2: Um, do they do it on top of joel
0: i don't know i haven't i I haven't
3: seen
2: yeah i was gonna say it was
3: cut out and apparently there
0: are two different reasons for it the writer says that it was just too long of a scene and it didn't fit the tone of the movie the director says sex scenes on screen made him uncomfortable so they both have, like, different excuses of why
2: it was cut. It probably just didn't I mean, work in any yeah. way.
0: But, yeah, they're uh, freaking out, and Mary is freaking out way more because they're very high. And he, uh, Stan is saying, like, he has no idea what to do. He has no idea how to find him. And Mary's like, well, you have to call Howard. You have to call him and get him here. And Stan doesn't want to at first, and it doesn't take much convincing until he's like, yo, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll call Howard.
3: It's <laughs> very much that sense of, like, you're like you just fucked up at your job and you're like no no i can fix this i can fix this i can fix this i need help
0: i can't fix this
2: <laughs> so howard is sleeping and he's getting the call and he goes he turns on the light and gets the phone he's like blah 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 and then you see his wife
0: <laughs> this is kind of an important scene maybe I not guess. yada yada <laughs> um, stan starts explaining what's happening and that he like lost joel howard's like what do you mean you lost him like, I, I don't know i lost him i uh Everything was fine, and I got up to uh, use the bathroom. And I just I just came back, and he was gone. He's like, well, what about Patrick? He was sick, and he had to leave for the night. <laughs> uh, okay. I'll, what's the address? Okay, I'll be there in a second. And, yeah, the wife looks uh, none too pleased.
2: Disgruntled.
0: Yeah, at this point. And so Stan starts telling Mary that she needs to leave, and she refuses. I, I don't know this part. I feel is awkward like a, of a performance. Like we learn why later, obviously. I guess. Yeah. But I always just felt like this part felt it is really good cause weird
2: because he's like, "No, I'm high, I'm right now," and it's like that's a pretty good reason to leave. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. I've never seen a high person act that way. Um. Goes back to the dream, and Clem says that he has to remember her, and he'll go find her the next day in the morning when he wakes up. Joel starts explaining to Clem in the dream, like, "You you went out and you're." You're with somebody else. You're with a Patrick guy. She, like, asks, like, is he cute? (laughs) Uh, I think this part's actually kind of interesting in a way that you wouldn't, I don't know, maybe wouldn't initially think about. Because this isn't actually Clementine talking. This is how Joel sees Clementine. Uh,
3: It's Joel's subconscious being Clementine, so how he would expect her to react.
0: Yeah. Cuts to real Clem freaking out with Patrick. And patrick having no idea what's going on or how to fix any of it because he is the problem <laughs> um and clem knows he's the problem without knowing that he's the problem somehow and howard gets to the apartment because to that
2: well doesn't patrick say another word that triggers he mm-hmm.
1: says
0: something from one of those
1: so he starts um describing her um and giving her compliments as to why she's not so fucked up because that's what she's thinking. Like, I'm just a fucked up person. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why I'm going insane. And she's driving and crying hysterically. And he's throwing out all of these adjectives. And the very last one that he throws out is, and you're nice. Oh, which is right. the key word um, that triggers her. Yeah. It all And that's when it cuts out.
3: Yeah, I'm guessing it's all for Clementine. Like, there's something wrong about him, but I can't quite pinpoint what it is.
0: Kind of situation. Mm-hmm.
2: And then yeah, Howard shows up. He's like, "Yo, what you do?"
0: Yeah, and then he's like freaking out. He's like, "Why is she here, Mary?" And she makes an excuse saying like she wanted to see what it was like for her coworkers to be working with working coworkers, working, working, working coworkers, working. She stumbles over the "working" and "coworkers" yeah. part a lot.
2: She want to get up close and personal into the process. <laughs> well, yeah, my she wants dirty. I want.
3: I wanted to see how the process worked, so that way I can understand my job
0: and my coworkers more. Yeah. And then Howard asks if Stan tried going through the Seagate, which in my head just immediately means external hard drive. But this is obviously just the writer throwing out throwing fake out terms. technology yeah. terms. <laughs> so they start talking, saying a bunch of dumb fake technology stuff. And like Stan's like, of course I tried that. He's like, I mean, oh, uh, <clears throat> uh, yeah, yeah, I tried that, yeah. Mary gets Howard a chair. Howard sits down. He's like, well, I guess I'll start just going through all of his memories see if anything comes up. He finds Joel, cuts to Joel taking a bath in the sink, and uh, Clem's like, wow, you're, like, really into this.
2: This is the happiest I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, this is though. the happiest
0: I've ever seen. He's like, Mm, yeah, bath. <laughs> uh, fun fact, this part. During this scene, apparently the hot tub that was shaped to be, like, a hot, uh, tub or a, a, a kitchen sink, sink um, was extremely hot to the point to where Kate Winslet was, like, starting to pass out and feel lightheaded. And the director said, like, for some reason, uh, Jim got really protective of Kate right here and he refused to go on with the rest of this until we fixed the temperature or until she felt better. It's like weird little thing.
3: (laughs) Jim Carrey just trying to be a good guy about it. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, uh, one thing I found interesting about this scene too, is like whenever he's trying to look for, when he's trying to look for him in that scene, because like, uh, the reason, like the, why the pacing is weird for this movie is because the whole him them erasing memories uh, they say works best if they start from the most recent memory and work their way back to the most uh, to the earliest memory mm-hmm. and then now with them like okay well we can't find him how about we go to the earliest memory instead of the most recent one so they kind of flipped it around and so they f- try to find the most recent or the earliest memory of Joel that they can find and it just happens to be him being bathed in a tub
2: Which, like, he just doesn't have
0: that memory anymore. Yeah. I guess.
2: Well, like, that's actually something I want to bring up. So at the time, she is singing, uh... Oh, oh my my darling. Oh, my my darling. darling. Yeah. And then in the earlier scene, Joel says he doesn't know what the heck Clem was talking about. Yeah. Because he had that removed.
0: Yeah. I never caught that either. Mm. Man.
2: So, yeah, now uh, Jim Carrey has never been bathed. Uh, Yeah, he doesn't know what a bath is. Basically, so they Howard does find him. Yes. Climb disappears. Yes. And then this tub drains.
0: Yeah.
3: And, which, like, with the tub draining, or the kitchen sink draining, it's just kind of like, oh,
0: found him! And, like, so it just
3: sucks him out of that memory.
0: Yeah, sucks him out of that memory, and memory of what looks like to be an ocean. From that memory, it pops him over into a drive-in, which he is soaking wet in that. And he sort of seems to half-drown in the memory.
3: Um, yeah, because... I almost forgot about that scene wherever. Yeah. Cause like in the real world,
0: he starts making choking
3: sounds like as, yeah. as if he's drowning.
2: His eyes are open. Mm-hmm.
0: And Howard freaking out. He's like, has he done this before? So I was like, no, no, of course he hasn't, which obviously he has, but they were dancing on him and hi, So they didn't see him <laughs> um, actually sort of wake up a little bit. But yeah, Howard's like, okay, I have to give him a sedative. This can't happen. So he shoots him and knocks him the fuck out. Not shoots him. He shoots him up. Shoots full him. Of a drug. <laughs> Some like, no, drug We can't have this Just puts a gun to his head <laughs> So cuts over to Joel and Clem And they're outside of a drive-in Coward's like Okay they're back in they're And they're just... sitting out In front of the drive-in Making fun of it Just kind of because They aren't listening to it Because they're stealing a film <laughs> They're ad-libbing it If you yeah, will
2: They're the one who told me That sound is half the film So they're <laughs> not is. even getting The full experience I know what
0: cowards
3: Yeah, that's why they're ad-libbing it, though. They're making their own film out of images with no sound.
0: Very MST3K style. Yeah. The whole thing. Uh, Fun fact. During all of this, uh, Jim Carrey was also, again, very adamant that he wanted to have his little joke commentary thing in there. The director did not want him to have it at all. Like He kept telling him, don't do that. (laughs) And Jim Carrey was like, no, I'm doing it. I'm doing it every single time. (laughs) The same joke. He's like, it's very funny. And... The director's like, and it turns out that, like it was the best take we had. But I just wish he would have gone with it. <laughs> it's like, I feel like my actor didn't trust me. Like, I don't know. I don't. Like but he best.
2: didn't trust his actor. He what? didn't <laughs> trust his actor. Yeah.
0: And so this is when uh, that memory starts to be erased, and he they try running away again. And this is when it cuts back to that doctor's office. All of the faces are distorted, and the voices are distorted. And another fun fact here: the distortion on the face with like the weird stretched skin thing is just a picture of the director's knee that they basically patched on to to the faces. <laughs> so that's just the director's knee skin. Neat. And uh, goes back to the real world, and Stan starts saying, like, it's really weird that he's in a memory that they've already erased. He's never seen that before. And then goes back, and Clem says, like, he needs to hide her deeper, deeper, in something humiliating. And... <laughs> Howard is about to leave the apartment because everything is under control. And Stan's like, oh, I lost him again. So Howard comes on back. Yep. And then I heard E laughing a whole lot at this point. <laughs> uh, just
2: like he's just he's just wanking it to some furry porn.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a very embarrassing memory. And Clem mentions like, well, what are you doing? He's like, this is the most humiliating thing I can think of. <laughs> and his mom walks in and he uh, was caught masturbating by his mom. Which I can't imagine something more... I guess I can imagine something more embarrassing than that. I but that would be horribly, horribly humiliating and awkward. And it cuts from that. And they find him. That memory starts to be erased. And they're on the beach in the bed. And then the bookstore. Because everything is being erased very quickly. Yep. Um, and Howard's like, I don't know what's going on or why this is happening. But I'm finding him quickly enough. So, cuts to the bookstore. And all that... Cuts to the bookstore a lot, actually. And you just see all of that very slowly getting erased.
2: The bookstore wasn't really getting erased. It was just everything was going blank.
0: Yeah, that's true.
2: That's fair. I just thought that was like a cool effect for it. Yeah,
3: Yeah, where like all the books were losing their markings to it and they are just turning into basically white blocks.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then Clem's like, you have to hide me somewhere really, really buried. And it's a memory of him as a very little kid. And he's being peer pressured by a whole bunch of other little kids. And there's this little bird in this... Little, little red wagon and he has a hammer in his hand and they're pressuring him and pressuring him and he hits a little bird with the hammer and kills it. Fun fact during this scene, I guess, cause it cuts from like little baby kid Joel to Jim Carrey as yeah. baby kid Joel wearing all the same things. Um, I guess Jim Carrey had a really, really hard time with this scene of having to hit the bird, um, and kill the bird from the commentary I was listening to he said he was really upset about having to kill the bird is all they said. I don't know if he actually killed a bird. Cause they said they had to fight really hard for the scene to be in the movie. Jesus. Um, and then the director started going on about how like, it looked, like yeah, it but even a if it bird, I don't know, maybe, but the director goes on and be like, even if it was a tiny little spider that was already dead, he would have been, I don't think he would have been nearly as upset. He's like, I don't know. Maybe we should ask him. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't know <laughs> what the situation on the
2: bird was. Honestly, it sounds like they killed an actual bird.
0: It's possible. It, there was nothing at the end that said no animals were harmed in the making of this. I don't think. We didn't stay for the credits.
2: No, <laughs> well, we didn't stay for the after credit scenes where you see the cinematic you see the bird Jim Carrey-verse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the kids are like, they peer pressured him. He killed the bird. And then a little girl comes in, like, grabs him to take him out of there.
1: And then they go in front of his house, of his childhood house. And um, oh. that's when the two kids...
3: Not quite yet, because they haven't left yet, but she's, like, trying to pull him away. I mean, there's a scene
2: where Jim Carrey's like, I'm going to beat up this little kid, and then gets beat up. Yeah, like, as
3: they're walking away, like, uh, they start to confront him, and then Jim Carrey, like, walks back to the kids. is like, hey, I'm not scared of you! And it's, like, full-grown Jim Carrey, but it's still little kid Jim Carrey, because of the memory. And, like, a little kid grabs him puts him in an
0: arm lock. Mm -hmm. And just uh, the girl pulls him away, and then... Yeah, they're in front yeah, of his little that's childhood that's home, as Liz was saying. Yeah. And uh, another fun fact, uh, the VO that you hear during the scene of like them talking through their heads and stuff like that, explaining what's going on. The director wanted them actually on set that day doing live VO. So they're just behind the camera doing VO explaining what's happening because he wanted it to, uh, feel more authentic and more childish of them just explaining what was happening rather than being in a booth months later doing the VO for it. So whatever they said that day was just whatever they had on their mind.
2: Because the next thing is like they they play, and Jim Carrey is holding a pillow up to the little girl. It's like ah, oh, you're dead. I'm
0: killing you. You're dying. Which um, is really enough a thing kids do.
3: What is where it? like pretend like pretend fighting or pretend killing each other.
0: Yeah,
2: I've like never a pillow. I don't well, not think with I
3: a I pillow,
0: remember no. pretend smothering anybody as a kid.
3: No, we just pretend cut play, people like, up with swords. You play,
2: like, cops and robbers and stuff. I, I, like, I get that. You don't, like... Yeah. Played but I think
3: Jedi. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that has to do with just, like... The way that it cuts it, it's, like, another scene that they're doing as an adult. And it's kind of blending into the childhood memory yeah. that she was never really in. Because he didn't know Clementine as a
0: child. Mm-hmm. In the VO, he actually goes on to say, like, this is where I live. Well, lived. Like, I really wish that I would have known you when I was a kid. And then the weird pillow death game, you see that for the first time, and the memory starts being erased, and it turns into this old barn with this old beat-up truck out in front of it. And Jim Carrey, like, gets very upset. Child Jim Carrey, but still Jim Carrey. Uh And he gets on his bike, and he rides away. And it cuts over to Clem on top of Joel with the pillow, and he is pretend dying in this fun little weird game that they have. Fun fact that is a game that the director used to play with his girlfriend, so that's where he got the idea for the game. They would just pretend kill each other. I see, uh huh.
3: Which, like I said, I think it was just like something that they did as adults that was bleeding into the childhood memory because she wasn't yeah. really there, just
0: yeah,
2: kind weird of weird choice. But
0: yeah. yeah, they're doing that, and uh, Joel is like groping her and everything like that. Then he stops moving, Clem starts freaking out. She's like, Are you really dead? No, he's not really dead, of course. Like one more time, she's like, Okay, one more time, one more time, then it's my turn puts the pillow over his face starts struggling around and then poof disappears she's gone because of glenn and joel on clem and joel on the beach and it's covered in snow and so they start having a snow fight
2: so i feel like that would suck on the beach because then all the snowballs would be like sandy probably it sounds awful and
0: super cold can you imagine how cold that water is
2: oh god uh, mm-hmm. not cold enough to freeze well,
0: i mean it's an ocean yeah oceans don't do ocean no oceans do freeze yeah they do oceans <laughs> that's
2: freeze. How you get a yeah. lot of that's uh <clears throat> uh-huh.
0: it just takes more for them to freeze because
3: of the salt it's not yeah. impossible though. oh yeah
2: it's <laughs> probably like 12 degrees there yeah very cold yeah so, so they- they're
0: having the snowball fight clem of course disappears during all of that yeah. and goes back to the real world mary says she loves watching howard work it's like a surgeon or like an artist He's are like oh thank you that, that that means a lot to me during all this, Stan's like, I'm going to go out for some air, since you guys seem to have it under control. And Mary starts, like, asking if Howard likes quotes. And this is when she says the poem that part of the movie was based off of. There were two ideas that made this movie be a thing. It was the idea of the letter, of someone getting a letter saying saying that they had been erased. And the other one was this poem.
1: Um, How happy is the blameless vessel's lot? The world forgetting by the world forgot. Eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. Each prayer accepted and each wish resigned.
0: And goes to you, Joel and Clem, and it's them at a circus, parade sort of
1: thing.
2: The greatest show on earth. Is that what it Well, is? I think... That's what I was on it.
1: I think you also need to tell that um, Mary's really trying to impress yes. Howard yeah. at that point. She is. Yeah.
3: Like Howard's trying to work and she just...
0: Doing everything she can to try to grab his attention.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, she like starts saying like how she wants to impress him so much. He's like, oh, I told myself I wasn't going to say this and I did say this. And I start stumbling over my words and I said I wasn't going to do that.
1: Yeah, she gives the wrong name of the, po- of the author that wrote the poem. Yeah, yeah. Pope
2: someone. It's Alexander
0: Pope, like, yeah. but she says Pope Alexander. Mm-hmm. And so then it does cut over to the Joel and Clem circus parade thing. And uh fun fact. This was a completely improvised scene. Um, the crew and the actors just happened to be working nearby, and it was going on, so they decided to go over to the scene and start shooting it.
2: That explains why it's so short.
0: It's very, very short. Um, so everything that's happening there is just what was actually happening that day at that night in the circus parade. And Jim Carrey wasn't told that during the scene, Kate Winslet was going to disappear. So whenever she disappears... When the sound cuts out on that scene, he's actually yelling out Kate because she thought that she got lost. Oh, so he's yelling out her real name and it cuts over to the real world again. Mary says just how impressed she is with Howard and she kisses him and she says or she admits to him that she has loved him for a very, very long time
2: and immediately regrets it.
0: Yeah. And Howard's like, we can't do this. We can't do this. And then just starts kissing her. Cuts over to Stan's per- perspective outside while well, he's outside in the van smoking or getting air. I don't no, really. He's just getting air. Yeah. He's getting very air. disgruntled. Mm-hmm. And he sees it. And while he sees it, he also sees Howard's wife pulling up. And so he's like, well, fuck. <laughs> and he just goes and honks the horn on the van to warn Howard and Mary of what's going on. And the wife sees that that's exactly what he did because she also saw in the window. She goes over there and just smacks <laughs> Stan, like, thanks, Stan. Thanks so much. Poor Stan. He's just trying to beat it. Well, I wouldn't say a good guy.
3: No. I think it's just kind of one of those um, between a rock and a hard place. Because, you know, he doesn't warn him. Then his boss is pissed at him. Like, you couldn't tell me my wife was coming? <laughs> kind of thing. And then, like, if he does, then his wife beats the shit out of him. So it's between a rock and a hard place. Beats
2: the shit out is a strong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a hit. Yeah. And
0: he just falls down. Um, so Howard and Mary start running out because they saw the wife outside.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And... She's like, no, no... Th-, or Howard's like, no, 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 this isn't what I came here for. I swear, I came here for work. And Mary's like, no, no, really, I basically forced it on him. My wife's like, really, Howard? You aren't even... You're, you aren't even going to tell her? You Don't be a monster, just tell her, Howard. And drives away, and she's like, what do you mean? Uh, t- tell me what? Howard's like, well, we, uh, we were kind of a thing at one point. Or, no, he says... Howard says that they have a history. He's like, we... We've gone through this all before. And then you decided to have the procedure. She's like, what? And she's like kind of shocked. And He's like, I have to go in to finish working. I'm sorry. And she's just sort of sitting there or not sitting there, standing there in the middle of the street and stands like, um, do you, do you want to ride home? Sad, but not like overly sad.
2: Disgruntled. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Cuts back to Clem and Joel at the Barnes and Noble. And it would appear that this is the almost, this is getting much closer to the first time where they met and they're talking and Clem says like, she thought she'd never see him again since he just ran away. Clem's like, you're married. And he's like, no, no, no I'm not married. He's like, not yet. Or she says, not yet. Like, you don't want to be any part of me in a relationship. Like I'm high maintenance. Joel's like, I remember this speech so well. And Clem starts to tell Joel, like,
2: I had you backed in a corner.
0: Mm mm-hmm. hmm. It's like, but you need to try your best to remember me and memory's gone cut away
3: which that's actually another one of those because uh, you guys said it keeps on cutting back to that bookstore like that's actually the scene where all the books finally turn blank yeah and it's he's pretty much in i don't want to say in like a white room but it's like it's the same bookstore but everything is just it looks like it was all painted over white it's
2: untextured yeah
0: so goes over to cuts over to the real world And Mary is at the office, and she's going through Howard's desk at the office, and she finds her tape with her interview, the same kind of interview that Joel did earlier in the movie, and is explaining her history with Howard and all the memories, and she starts talking about, like, the first time I saw you, I just knew immediately that I loved you. And she's listening to it, and she's breaking down while she's listening to it and crying, realizing, like, there is this huge history. On the tape, she starts also breaking down, saying, like, I can't do this, I can't do this, and Howard's like, no, no, you know, we both know this is for the best. Cuts to Joel going at Going to the beach party with his friends and you see them unpacking the car and there's like this little plane, there's a cooler and the friend, the the wife like tries to get the cooler and she falls down going to the party and Joel says like this was the day we met you were down by the surf and you're in that orange sweatshirt I would come to know so well and even hate eventually and Clem says like she saw him by himself Thank God, there's someone here who doesn't know how to act at a at these kind of events. Just start talking about random things.
2: Steals his chicken. Yeah,
0: can I borrow that piece of chicken? He's like, I remember that. You just asked if you could borrow, it, and then you just took it. Like, and it was didn't so wait for intimate. Me to this whole, I yeah, didn't even wait for me to spawn. This whole thing just felt so so intimate. And then she says the thing like, no jokes about my name. And Joel's like, what do you mean? He says like, oh my darling, oh my darling. And she's like, no, no jokes, no.
2: He's like, okay, okay.
0: He's like, no, no, I think your name is actually is actually magical. I used to have I used to have a Huckleberry doll when I was a kid. It's my favorite doll.
2: Huckleberry Hound.
0: Mm hmm. Clem goes on to say, she's like, This is it, Joel. It's gonna be gone. All be gone. He's like, I know. What do we do? Enjoy it. Cuts to them walking on the beach and just sort of strolling along. And she asks if he's married. He's like, No, no, I'm not I'm not married. He's like, I think we should move to this neighborhood. He's like, well I, I live with someone.
2: Male or female?
0: Male or female? Uh, female. She's like, well, at least I know I'm not barking up the wrong tree. And they come along this house. And Clem is over at the window. And Joel's like, well, they might have a dog. She's like, no, there's no dog here. And she breaks in. And Clem asks what his girlfriend's name is. Naomi. She's like, well, I guess I can start looking for candles and matches and the liquor cabinet. Joel's like, I think we should go. I think we we should go and not be out of here. This Somebody lives here. This is somebody's house. She's like, like, this is our house for the night we are and she picks up a piece of mail in the kitchen david and ruth laskin clem does eventually find the alcohol cabinet and joel is not excited about any of this at all he is apparently not a big fan of breaking and entering
2: Uh, what a surprise
0: (laughs) so while all this is being said the house starts crumbling and falling apart and all the walls are disappearing and joel says they should go she says so go i did i thought maybe you were a nut but you were exciting Says I wish you would have stayed. She says I, I wish I had stayed too. I wish I had done a lot of things. I wish I'd stayed. I do. I walked downstairs and you were gone. Clem says. She says I was scared. I, I felt over my head. I, I didn't know what to do. Was it something I said? Yeah, you said so. Go with such disdain, you know. She says Jolie, "What if you stayed this time?" It's like I walked out the door. I can't. There's. There's no memory left. Come back and give me a goodbye at least. Let's pretend we have one. Bye, Joel. And then you hear this little whispery voiceover of, Meet me in Montauk. He goes back to the bonfire with all of his friends waiting for him. And they get in the car. He's up to his neck in sand in this car because all of his memories are just coalescing. And he's racing all at the same time. And through the windows you see all of these small little memories finally and Permanently fading away. All they keep asking him is, like, oh, hey, I saw you, I think you met a girl over there, right? Like, I saw you talking to somebody. It's like, who was that? Just a girl. Cuts to Howard finishing the process in real life, and it's the morning, and him and Stan are just starting to pack up. Stan goes over, and he wipes away the dots on the side of Joel's head. Stan says that he can go and drop off the van, and Howard's like, okay, we'll talk later. And we get this shot again of from the beginning of the movie of Joel waking up his pajamas from the doors outside slamming and the motors running which we now learn to know are the van and the doors from the crew that was there the night before uh, finishing up their job and we see Joel doing the same things we saw at the beginning of the movies waking up he's going out to his car he's getting on the train we cut to Mary leaving the office with all of her stuff and Stan sees it and Stan goes up to Mary, and Mary asks Stan if he knew any of this, and he's knew what was going on with Howard, and he said he didn't. It's like, did you ever even suspect anything that we were together? And said once. Uh, you were there, and you were talking to Howard. She's like, how did I look? He looked happy. Happy with a secret. She's like, I never saw you guys like that again, so I just figured I was imagining things. And we get to see Joel catching his train. Stan says that He really likes Mary. She's like, I know. He gives her a bag that she left at the apartment. She loads the box of all of her stuff into the trunk, and Stan walks away. And when she's loading her box into the trunk, we see all these files and tapes of everything in her car that she very, very clearly stole. What? I know! What a criminal! I can't believe it! (laughs) And we see Joel again with Clem. Um whenever she went to go and get her toothbrush. And we know at this point now that the person knocking on his window, the weird, creepy stranger was Patrick, except while this is going on outside with Joel, we now instead get Clem's perspective. She's walking yep. inside and she's grabbing her toothbrush, brushing her teeth and she checks her messages. And you just hear messages from Patrick basically right. saying how much he loves her and how we, all these things are trying to get her attention and get her back. And while that's going on, we see her cause she fell in the ice that night and we see her check her ass and there's a giant bruise on her ass. Yeah, which one thing with the
3: uh, messages that Patrick were, was leaving on the answering machine gave me like a weird flashback to Blue Valentine just because... Yeah, like, a little it, bit. Because yeah. it was just, just tell me what to do. I will do anything. Just tell me what I need to do. I will like, beat up the other guy. <laughs> yeah.
0: I will go and murder them for you. <laughs> so while she's leaving, she checks the mail and she gets in Joel's car. And in the car, she opens up her mail. He's like saying, like, I had a really nice time with you. She's like, oh, nice time. He's like, I had the best fucking night of my entire fucking life. And she opens the letter and she starts reading it. And was like, what is it? She's like, uh, I don't know.
2: Came with a cassette tape.
0: Yeah. And she starts saying, it's like, I worked... And it's a letter from Mary. Cause she wrote out this letter to everybody who ever got the procedure of the company. And it's saying, like, she worked at the company where memories were erased. And she felt terrible at this. In order to correct all of the mistakes, she is sending everyone's files back to them. And so Clem puts the tape in the tape deck in the car which is just also just a thing that isn't around anymore. The tape is of the interview of basically her saying everything she hates about Joel, really. Joel's like, "What? what is this? Are, are, you, are you fucking with me? She's like, no, no, I'm not fucking with you. And he gets upset because, obviously, why wouldn't you get upset if you just heard somebody you thought you just met basically is talking horrible shit about you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he stops the car, being very upset. Clem takes the tape, and she gets out, and she walks back to her apartment. Patrick is waiting outside the house, and... She, like, tries to talk to her. She's like, get the fuck away from me. Get the fuck away from me. Her line delivery is really good at this part. I think it's just really funny. After all of that and listening to the tape and everything, freaking out in her own apartment, she decides to drive over to Joel's apartment. And when she's walking in, the neighbor greets her, and she's like, hey, nice to see you. Hey, nice, or hey, Clem, nice to see you. Which is why I think, like, that neighbor's a dick. Yeah. She's just supposed to pretend like she doesn't exist. And
3: she's just there.
2: He just has to not talk about that relationship. I
3: guess, yeah. I mean, but nevertheless, like she's coming into the building. Like he automatically, cause the thing about that, that it kind of shows a little bit in that scene is that not all, like, cause she's trying to get to the apartment, but like, you know, in places like New York city, you have to be buzzed in if you don't live there or if you don't have a key to get in there yeah. and he, he just lets it. her in, he holds the door open for her and it, he knows that they have a history. He's like, Oh, he, she's going to see Joel. Like might as well let
0: her in. Yeah. As I punch the side of the bed on accident. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's why I think he's just kind of a dick.
2: I think he's just dumb.
0: That's also fair. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> so, Maybe he's dumb and a dick. Who knows? Yeah.
0: Neighbor greets her. She walks up to Joel's apartment, which she just has a key for still. Oh, no, it was just unlocked. Oh, was it?
2: It was just opened.
0: Okay, cool. So she just walks into the apartment and Joel is, of course, listening to the tape because he also got that in the mail. Everyone got their file back and he's sitting on the floor. He's like, look what I found. And it's a painting that we saw of... That he was making of her earlier in a movie in the skeleton outfit—it's just her head and then a skeleton body on this boat—and hands it to her, and she's like, "Oh, you made me look so skinny." And she's like, "Oh, she's a skeleton." But <laughs> 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 Joel apologizes for yelling earlier and says, "Like he'll turn off the tape," and she's like, "No, no, it's only fair." And so they keep the tape on, and Tape says, "Like I hate her hair," and Joel's like, "I don't, I don't hate your hair. I like your hair." It's like, "No, I, it's fine." Like, and Joel asks if he wants to drink. She asks if he has whiskey. So he goes to get his whiskey. And when he goes to get the whiskey, the bottle is empty. And he has no idea why. He's like, oh, I thought I had more of this. Which we obviously know that Stan and Mary drank all the fucking whiskey that night. And just left it that way. And so the tape starts saying, like, how Joel just thinks she wants to fuck anyone. And he's like, I, I would never think that of you. She's like, I can't believe you said that. I, why would you say that something about me? That hurts. Which that goes
3: back to earlier in the film, too, when it shows the last memory he has of her and he says or when she says like you just are uh, you're just worried I went out and fucked somebody's like no I presumed you went out and fucked somebody yeah it's kind of a repeating of that mm-hmm. whole phrase and then she kind of gets to say her piece on like why
0: she felt so offended of him saying that yeah and she gets angry and she starts to leave and Joel chases after her which is a pretty uh cliche thing to do but I think it works
2: here um hey, chases his af- character that's actually pretty surprising brave
0: brave of him even so she's running down the hall and Joel chases after her and tells her to wait. She's like, what? It's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I just want you, I just want you to wait just for just a while. And she's like, okay. And she looks a little stunned. She's like, okay. And he's really she's like, I'm not a concept. Joel, just a fucked up girl looking for her own peace of mind. He's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't see anything. I don't like Joel. I'm, I'll, I'll get bored and I'll feel trapped. And because of that's what happens with me. That's the kind of person I am. She's Like, okay. She's okay. And then they both laugh and music kicks in and you get a shot of them running down a snowy beach fades with white into the credits so uh yeah that's that is that film I love that film and even with all this discussion I learned new things about that film Yeah, which I think probably just makes you love the film just a little bit more it does actually
1: the writer also wrote it for people to re-watch it and to be able to see it differently each time that they do watch it and be able to find new things. um, And also different perspectives as to what part of your life you're in because me watching the movie now is very different to when I very first watched this movie. My perspectives are very different of it.
0: I think we had that same discussion with Last Kiss. Or yeah. At least I with like did. The char- <laughs> the, that one I think is more of like with the characters you relate to at the time. Yeah. yeah. Whereas I think this is just a viewpoint on reality sort of thing. Whereas like... It's the same characters, but just from the way that the movie is set up, you can relate to it in very different ways. Right, counting on what's going on in your personal life.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it's what you know also too. Though mm-hmm. I think when you're younger and you do actually want to forget everything, you think this is a brilliant concept, <laughs> and if you could do it, you would do it. And then when you get older, you know, just personally. When you have a mental disorder and you want to get rid of things and then you get older and you think, well, if I didn't actually go through those things and if I actually couldn't remember them, um, then I'm not growing from them and I'm not learning from them and I don't know how to cope with them. And so you're stuck in the same rut over and over again.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Before we get into anything more, I'm just going to throw a couple of these fun facts in here. Kate Winslet's hair changes a lot, obviously, through the whole movie. They were wigs through all of it not actually her hair which i think is pretty impressive because it looks very good but there were days where she'd have to have three or four different colors of hair so it wasn't practical to dye her hair
3: i did like the practical effect those wigs though of how like most of those wigs are not like very professionally done no they look like real hair yeah they look like real well i was gonna say because i can see her roots really bad so like Mm -hmm. it's not it's not a sense of like oh she gets her hair dyed all the time like oh she had her hair dyed like three or four months ago yeah
0: that's great yeah um, the other last little thing here is the director told Kate to be as out there as and wild as possible in scenes where Jim Carrey had to be more down to earth because he still he wanted to turn her inside out and him outside in. Just in and the then he
2: words. took off his pants again.
0: And then he took off his pants. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I wouldn't be surprised with this one if Jim Carrey actually did all of those drawings as well. Because he is an artist. I was going to say, I know that he
3: does like do his own paintings and his own drawings. Mm -hmm.
1: And all of those that were in that journal were very much his style. I could see that. (laughs) I think that another thing that I think he left out was, you know, at the end in the house, they say meet, you know, meet me at Mountag, which is whispered. And then when he wakes up, that's where they go yeah they both yeah. remember the, such things, which is why going back also it's fate, right? Um, they both deleted each other, and they still were, you know, because at the very beginning of the movie, it starts with both of them being erased from each other's memories, and they yeah. go and they still find each other. And every new aspect of Clem's life, um hers blue. Um, so that's the new, it's calm. And then when things aren't going well or they start changing, it's orange or tangerine. You know, with that color aspect, um, they're on fire or, you know, warm. It's not not a calm anymore.
3: Also, one way to think about it, too, is because she did call that color blue ruin. Things aren't exactly going well for her, at least being with Patrick, because it's a lot of her being in distress and a lot of her being stressed out and crying and not being in a very good place. I guess you can say blue is also known to be... More of a depressing color too.
0: That is also true. So the budget for this movie was twenty million dollars estimated. Had an opening weekend of eight point two. Uh, worldwide gross of seventy four though. Okay. So it it made its money back in a little bit. And then I know that it has a uh, cult following now in ways. I know it's a very highly rated movie too. Like, it is. Does it have like an eighty or ninety on Rotten Tomatoes? Critics really really loved it. Yeah. It is above all else a very 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 good movie a work of art in a lot of ways not only in the directing style but i think in the writing style just the way that they came at it wasn't from like let's make a product but it was i have something to say about a very specific thing uh one
3: thing that i found out about this movie and i think it's one thing that made me interested to originally watch it too was uh in the original screenplay the scene or the scene that takes place in the present is like 50 years in the future in it and yeah like so they're in their 80s in
0: a sense, that would make it a very different movie.
3: It would. And I think that's probably why they changed it. But in that one are, cause I had to pull it up so I can make sure I'm not paraphrasing it. And I'm actually reading it off. It began with an old woman later revealed to be, uh, Mary, uh, Kristen Dunst's character trying to publish a manuscript called eternal sunshine of the spotless mind and, it er, implies a tell all about lacuna at the end of the screenplay, we discover that Mary is still working for Howard, who is very, very old, and that Clementine has uh, Joel erased from her memory at least 15 times over the decade. Jesus Christ. Since they're bonded through Destiny, they always find a way to meet each other back again, and so just one of those, they erase each other from the from each other's memories every single time they fight, but then Destiny brings them back together.
2: That's a lot of brain damage. Yeah. yeah. I,
3: I, I like the way that it is now more. Yeah, I do too. And Well, I think that's probably one reason why the there was a little scene in the movie that they added... Uh, whenever Joel is waiting in the waiting room and he's, like, looking at everybody else while they're holding their little mementos o- over somebody and Kristen Dunce is talking to somebody over the phone, she does say to them, like, well, you've had the procedure three times already. We cannot do that again.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and so they may have added that scene just because, like, they realize, like, yeah, we can't really have this ending. Yeah. It's very
0: possible. But let's get to the 1 out of 10 ratings. Let's go ahead and start with you, Robbie. No, I did like this movie, and it's one of those things, like...
3: It's been a long time since I've watched this movie, and I remember like at the time I tried watch or when I first watched it, I probably didn't like it as much as I liked it now, but I was also kinda just trying to watch it as like a background movie. And this is definitely not one of those movies you just kinda put on in the background Mm. or
0: like No, you definitely have to pay attention to this one. Definitely.
3: There are there is a style of movie that I've heard that is called Cheese Whiz for the Brain. And that's basically just like a fun movie that you don't really have to pay a whole lot of attention to. Transformers. This is not one of those movies though. This is one of those ones like it demands that you pay attention to it. Yeah. Like Liz says it's something that demands multiple viewings, so you can just catch little things here and there. And like I, I don't know how many times you and Liz Liz has watched this movie, but it seems like you guys are still finding new things about it.
0: I am. I am
3: finding new things.
0: Um
1: is
3: Liz, Liz has definitely watched it a lot more than me. Oh but.
1: yeah. I've watched it way more. Yeah. I <laughs> get very when I get really low is these are the movies I like to watch to remember (laughs) yeah life is good (laughs) fair enough yeah um i don't know if i'm finding new things about it as many times as i've seen it i think mine is more the feeling of remembering you know why would you want to get rid of the things that are making you sad because if you don't then you just relive them over and over again um so i think it's just it really is just a reminder of you know I mean, I also love the actors, so I love Mark Ruffalo. I absolutely love him and <laughs> anything that he's done. Um, Elijah Wood.
3: Elijah Wood is also a very good actor.
1: He's great also. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Kate Winslet. I absolutely love her also. Kier- Kirsten Dunst, is mm-hmm. that his name? Mm-hmm. I'm not, I like her. I don't like her as much as the other three, Um and then I, Jim Carrey. I love more in serious roles than I do in his comedy. Though I, some of his comedic movies, I think, are really funny. I like the Grinch. Okay, <laughs> I
0: mean,
3: I it has do to like be at the... least one person. <laughs> Everyone I, is
0: allowed to have a bad opinion.
1: Uh huh. Sure. Sure. I mean, but, uh, but hey,
3: uh, Ronnie, that's besides the point. What's, um, uh,
0: what's your one out of ten?
3: I think I originally walked in thinking I was going to give this a seven out of ten, but watching it again, I think I'm giving it an eight out of ten okay i think if i saw it a couple more times it may even go up but
2: just keep adding one each time so we're going yeah. 11 out of 10 12 out of 10 sweet but
3: nevertheless i was gonna say like despite liking jim carrey for his slapstick style of comedy i like i think one of my favorite movies that he was in was the number 23
0: you do mention that movie quite a bit i like that movie you do 23 times <sighs> he's mentioned it a lot more than that i can <laughs> say that for sure i have not mentioned it in a long time though so you would say for this movie though an 8 out of 10 yeah all right
2: e what about you uh i i did like this movie um probably not as much as you guys i think a lot of that still is the barrier of i'm not like i've never been in a romance relationship so that stuff doesn't click with me uh this might seem weird to you this is actually a trope i just really like the like memory thing yeah where people lose their memory and then they're just brought back together it's a trope that happens more than you would expect
0: I I think I'm more surprised that you would like it at all, just because of the whole anti romance thing.
2: Yeah. Well, I guess not always a romance thing. Sometimes it's friendship thing and again, a lot of like romance movies, if I could just bring it out to like and tell my and like in myself I see it more as a friendship that often helps a lot. (laughs) I know that seems dumb. (laughs) If I make it seem like they're
0: not gonna kiss each other, (laughs) I like it a whole lot more.
2: (laughs) It's just like well like I mean to be fair, like
3: romance in a sense is a friendship but it's considered to be a lot deeper than a friendship but yeah. it is still it's kind of in that same weird way of like being excited and being scared uses the same endorphins yeah they're saying that right and so like uh our, it's kind of the same thing of like you know love and our friendship and romance kind of co- coalesce just uh it goes deeper and going further and beyond if you will right.
1: um but- i was just gonna say that i don't think You have to know what it's like to be in a relationship or, you know, have that romantic feeling towards someone for this movie. I think the bottom line of it is, you know, erasing something that causes you deep pain, not just a person. If in the waiting room of the doctor's office, like there's an old lady that's erasing her dog. Yeah, I think it's just something that is so painful that you want to erase
2: and I th- that is from what really does bring a lot of it up to me. I forget if it was on record or not, where I was saying, like, just, like, sometimes a story can elevate it past the romance stuff, and that's usually the threshold I yeah. use to... It, well, not the threshold I use, the threshold <laughs> that happens to be how much I enjoy movie. Yeah. But, yeah, just, like, even though it's not a great relationship, I do like the dichotomy of these two characters together.
0: Very charismatic.
2: Yeah. And just seeing all that, seeing this entire thing unfold, uh, I am also a sucker for storytelling in an untraditional, like, mixing up the memento, I yes. guess. How, do you, <laughs> how else do you put that, really? I don't know. I'm quite a fan of nonlinear storytelling, and just far out there ideas are always interesting. So, like, with all that said, I still probably will give it a 7. Okay, Not too much higher, because I quite enjoyed it, but despite this being the purpose of the movie i don't know if i'd really like actively try to watch this movie again
0: i know that you aren't really a rewatch movie type of person but i would be interested mm-hmm. if you brought anything else back from it if you watched it again
2: oh maybe maybe after a year or so we could go and do like rewatches of some of the podcasts revisit yeah so yeah, uh, seven out of ten seven. quite enjoyable um still doesn't even feel like a romance movie, which is the highest praise I can give a romance
1: <laughs> movie. <laughs> um, so I think I would give it probably an 8.5. I do like this movie a lot. There's a lot of things, you know, there's some things that I don't like about the movie. One of them being it circles around Valentine's Day. You know, they start off on Valentine's Day. They end on Valentine's Day or shortly before. I'm a person that does not like Valentine's Day. (laughs) Um, We don't celebrate that holiday. So for that reason, I don't. And, you know, one of the reasons I don't like Valentine's Day is he says it, you know, it was created by the card company. Second, I'm Catholic. So it's just another saint that y'all took because you liked it and went with (laughs) it. (laughs) You know, it's not something special. Society told your significant other to buy you something. Why should you feel special <laughs> if the whole world is doing it, too? Yep. You should feel special when they do it. So I, I just I'm not a Valentine's Day fan. So that's one reason I don't like the movie Um, for that. But, you know, m- my biggest pet peeves in any movie is editing, too. And I think that this movie is edited well Um, with the back and forth. But I think it can get confusing to people, which is what I don't. Like on that aspect, but it is one that I can rewatch.
0: Yeah, I imagine if we get any complaints about this episode, it's that I did a very poor job of explaining anything that's happening. So I'm looking forward to that.
2: <laughs> it's a it's a hard one to explain because like I'll it say is. I went like a third the way through this movie, and I and then it started clicking how to actually format.
0: So eight point five for you.
2: Yeah. Cool.
0: Um, I think I probably land in the eight camp. I would say. I really, really do like this movie, and I think it's one of the best, if not the best, role of Jim Carrey's that I've seen him in. I think that there's just a lot of heart that he puts into this, as well as Kate Winslet putting a lot of heart into it. I think it was just, honestly, really great casting all around. If there was one actor that was different, I think it would have felt like a very different movie. Uh, it was just, it was perfectly cast. Yeah, I really do love the movie, and it stuck with me in a way that I would say a lot of movies don't like. Whenever I think about a sad romance movie, this is probably the first one that comes to mind. And I don't think it's even because it's just purely sad. I think it has a lot of hope in it, and a, a great story about love and and loss and forced loss and a whole bunch of stuff like that. But good old friendship, <laughs> good old friendship, and just falling asleep on the beach. Yep. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> Next, you going to tell me how to sex on this beach too.
0: No, but it was in the bed, whenever they were under the covers, e what they had sex.
2: What they were just tickling each other. Gross,
0: ruining a child's mind. <laughs> you gotta learn sometime. But yeah, I really do love this movie, and I recommend it to anybody out there. Would be, I think most people can really sit down and enjoy this movie on some sort of asp uh, or some sort of angle, in one way or another. So, I think for the most part, that's a a high recommendation from everybody.
3: Yeah, yep. I think with the yeah, lowest being a 7, right? Yeah. And then the highest being an 8.5. I'd say this is, with all four of us combined, at least
0: either an 8 or a 7.5.
2: I think that average about 8. Let's yeah. say an 8.
0: Yeah, we'll say about 8. This is a solid 8 of a movie. So please, go check it out if you're at all interested. And if you were at all confused about my explanation of any of it, because I wouldn't blame you. But we're going to get out of here. So, if you want to follow us on any of these social media, we are... Last Ones In on Twitter, The Last Ones In on Facebook, or if you want to shoot us an email, you can do that at thelastonesin at gmail dot com, in at gmail dot com. Let us know anything. Let us see your opinion of the movie, or what movies we should watch, if you have an opinion on that. We would love to hear it.
2: Send us your thesis on why Valentine's is actually a good holiday. <laughs>
0: not. I, if, you, not. if not. If we get that email, I will read it on the next episode. <laughs> but that marks the end of our theme month we're not going to do a theme month for a little while here we're going to let it be a little loosey-goosey for a bit but this month we started with taking a look at wrist cutters went on to blue valentine last kiss and ended off with eternal sunshine of the spotless mind next month we have a loose idea of what we're going to be watching but
3: we've been throwing well me and dry have been throwing around some ideas on what we're going to watch
2: i e- threw one idea he actually has an idea yeah, he does so
0: that'll be fun that'll be interesting he has a movie
2: I have one movie one
0: we'll see how it goes <laughs> thank you Liz so much for joining us yeah, for this yeah, yeah.
1: You didn't I'm a really, silent person yeah, yeah I'm quiet by ho- nature so <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> I just you brought a
2: lot to this podcast <laughs>
0: yeah thank you guys for coming along on this trip with us we will see you next week with a movie that isn't about love most likely
2: yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> he
0: is gonna be so excited <laughs> alright see you guys and talk at ya next week
3: Bye. Bye. See ya. Bye. Which I guess a fun little thing about that too, with the carry a big stick thing. Um, You
0: found a big stick today.
3: No, not today. It was yesterday. (laughs) Um,
0: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Happened at work.
2: Were you speaking softly and someone came up to you and said, here is a large stick.
0: I don't know. Actually, isn't there a thing to where like, they have to get everyone's permission if they're going to shoot in a real location? Uh, if they're going to be on film, they have to get their permission.
2: And if they use their specific place, I know they have to yeah. get their permission. I don't yeah. like, I don't think you would have to get a neighbor's permission. Like an apartment complex. Unless you're I, really loud. I then think you for like, an
0: apartment complex, you would have to.
2: I think you just have to pay the apartment complex to be like, yo, yo, give me these couple rooms. You pay the person who your room. I'm not a filmmaker. So take anything really? I say with a grain of salt.